Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode 193. Yes, How you sir. doing, Neil? I'm doing alright, thanks. Yeah, so we did 191 and 192 out of order. I'm sure everyone's figured that one out already, but uh, 192 was a bit more timely than 191, so I switched them. But yes. you should have heard the drowns by now, so... Yes. It's good. Alright. So, Neil, oh, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is when we sort of interview somebody the first time, and we really have no idea who they are, <laughs> and then, like... We get to talk to him later when we've sort of struck up a genuine, uh, you know, something something like a friendship with him. Indeed. Like a rapport. Yeah, exactly. And I and I listen, I'm not claiming to have the rapport that Neil does because I know Neil's practically a stalker. I know Neil's, Neil has seen you guys so many times that I, you're thinking about a restraining order. I've only seen you twice. But, uh, you know what? It's funny you say that because I have these flyers printed out with his face on it, right, that I'm going to put at the front of every club in the Chicago not, area. Amazing. <laughs> Do not serve this man. <laughs> but it is it is funny. So so we have with us we have three quarters we have Susie Moon and two thirds of her band or three quarters of her band with it. We do not have the drummer, but you know, drummers, right? Uh, oh, that's we harsh. Have, harsh. We, have, we have Susie. Yes. We have Drew. Very beautiful joke you've got there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> it's painful how true it is. <laughs> well, and we've this is not new to our listeners. We make quite a bit of uh we always say, if you're like a reliable drummer, you're in like six bands, at least like where we are. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of true, dude. Kind of true. So so we have Susie Moon. We have Drew, her, the lead guitar player, slash yeah. special man of her life. And oh, we yeah. have we have Patty, the bass player. Patty Bo. Yeah. What's up, doing? Yeah, oh. man. Stoked to be back with you guys. Now, it's, it's so cool for me to bring on the guys for the show so they can witness this nonsense and well, be part of it. Well, <laughs> I actually really wanted to do that because, yeah, I, I have seen you four times in the past ten months, I think. You've played Chicago so many times. and yeah. um, but, it, but it is a real fucking kick-ass band. So it's not just the Susie Moon show. It is Patty's an amazing bass player and Drew's a great guitar player. So And it is a real band. So I, I thought it was important to get to get the rest of the guys on. And Sean behind the, behind the sticks, too. You know, I mean, he's he's awesome, too. But I know he's he's out right now, right? He joined, Did he join the Army or something? Yeah, he's in the Army Reserves. He's uh, He just finished, graduated boot camp. And now he's off doing like specialized training. He's he's in as a musician, and he should be back with us full time come November. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. okay, so he's cool. in the army as a musician. Yeah. So he actually he uh he's like a classically trained euphonium player. <laughs> it looks like a little tuba. I was gonna say, what is that, man? Yeah, I don't know what that is either. I had to Google it the first time, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've so never seen it. <laughs> he told me euphonium, and I was like, I think I heard of that. And then I Googled it, and I was like, oh, that thing, that's a weird choice. But Sean's a weird guy, but we love him. And he's also <laughs> just, he's a, he, as you can imagine, being a, a punk rock drummer with that kind of background makes him an unbelievable uh, musician and asset to, uh, to the overall project. Hmm. So really, he really knows what he's doing. I was having this vision of like, like you watch, you see those like pictures from like the Revolutionary War where the soldiers are marching along and they always have like the guy in his snare drum going on beating the drum. I'm like, do they still do that? And the guy with the flutes at the front, right? Yeah, taking all the fucking gunfire. Like, yeah. Sort of like the yeah. flute guy, exactly. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like top dog in military circles. If you phony, part time euphonium players like, uh, you know, top dog, but <laughs> yeah. I guess he'll tell us when he gets back. Hold on, I have to. I, I have to. I have to ask. That's too funny. So, if he's the euphonium player, wh- yeah. why does he have to go through a boot camp? <laughs> I don't know, man. 
I don't know. That's too much, man. The un- euphonium much. player may occasionally have to shoot somebody too, Neil. You just don't know. He has yeah. to drop the euphonium and pick up his gun. <laughs> Um, yeah. No, there's it. See the euphonium. They hide the gun inside the euphonium. Oh, right. There you so go. Yeah. Nobody's expecting it. Yeah, but our last show with Sean was in June, right? It was in June. We did like a three day run, and um, yeah, it's bittersweet because you you play with somebody for a year. You know, we've grown tight as a band, and he had been wanting to do that for a long time, and. You know, we were supportive of it, but um, it's like, okay, bye, man. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> and we had to, we had to go to Europe, and we were really lucky to find someone amazing yeah. to fill his shoes. And now we're super blessed to have another friend in our life, uh, in our lives, that like totally kicks ass and is down to fucking do it and play with us. You know, but uh, it's bittersweet, and it's been a big growth period for the band because going to Europe, you know. Uh, we went through all kinds of different scenarios and we bonded super tightly um, traveling all around playing to the biggest crowds we've ever played to Um, you know so that's it's been a fucking it's been a hell of a summer for us and now the record's coming out this week you know so it's like fucking a i I do wish sean was here to have experienced all that yeah so tell us a bit about about the new drummer who is who is that or the standing drummer i should say yeah, Patty, tell us about him. Uh, well, Neil. <laughs> yes, sir. He's from a. He's a. He's a dual citizen of London and L.A. Mm. And we actually, we had another drummer lined up for the Europe tour, but let's just say that didn't work out. And uh, we we got we got a hold of him through some contacts we have over in Europe, and basically the guy had a week to learn fifteen songs two days to get it right <laughs> and he just he fucking destroys it like i i it's it's captivating how hard he hits he hits yeah. a drum kit like oh. like i i feel it in my bones yeah. like, in your petty bones yeah yeah, <laughs> <it> <laughs> <is>. <laughs> yeah. but yeah it was, no. it was good it, it, you know it, it he he came on board and he nailed it he's he's really easy to get along with as long as he gets his iced coffee yeah. but you know but yeah, it worked out great. We we feel blessed, and we're we're super happy that he's he's going to be out with us on drummers and their iced coffee, you know. Neil. Yeah, I know. Same old drummers yeah. named Neil and their iced coffee. He's like, we're self aware about it. Like I'm a princess, and I need my fucking. Iced coffee. <laughs> and it's like you know, when somebody's just aware of themselves in that way, it makes yeah. it not annoying because it's like they know, you know, like they fucking know. And if like the biggest um, like fucking behavior that I'm dealing with in another band member is that they need coffee, okay? Like that's easy. Like yeah, no we, shit. Everybody gets their fucking coffee. Like that's okay. Yeah. You know. And it was really messed up how the other drummer that was gonna come on the road with us kind of bailed super last minute. But the universe has a really interesting way of bringing the right people into your life. Yeah. You know, and I feel like Neil is the guy that we were meant to play with, but he wouldn't have, ha- ha- wouldn't have happened unless we were scrambling and we put out the fucking feelers and people started sending, you know, and it just, it worked out that way. So, well, um, so, so, so when he I did the Euro tour, is he doing this tour that's coming up real quickly with you too? Yeah. Okay. He actually, he did some good job that went, so we got back from Europe and then like two days later, uh, we got an email saying that we were, we got two shows playing with the damned and we saw that. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really even think twice. We were like, okay, these are important shows. We got to get Neil here. So we actually, we, we got him a plane ticket all the way from London 
Um, and he flew in, and he did those shows with us, and kneeled it. He kneeled it. Oh, very good. That's <laughs> very good. Like yeah, it. super cool dude. He actually he he's played in a bunch of different projects, everything from like from like pop to hip hop to metal. Mm. Um, got his first punk band. Yeah, we're like his first punk band, but he's got the spirit and um, just a good dude. And well, so- so I have to ask. So when I when I saw you guys last time, I saw you at Moto. Shit! What is that? Yeah. Let me set up the fire. Oh shit! Moto. Yeah. Susie's cooking. Yeah, Susie's cooking. There's a fucking fire in the kitchen. Okay, just to be clear about this, our smoke alarm only goes off if it actually feels heat. It won't go off if there is actual smoke or fire. Oh, that's okay? useful. That's not helpful. It just responds to heat. So every time I open the fucking oven, even if there is no smoke. And no fire, the motherfucker will wail. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You had a friend. Oh, no, so anyway, when I saw you at Motoblock. You'll, you'll miss it when you're living in hotel rooms for the next month. Yeah, no right. shit. Yeah, when I saw you at Motoblot, um, speaking to Sean, and Sean said that there was a drummer from the UK subs going to be playing with you. So was that the other guy that bailed? No. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't know how Sean, like, that, was that even? No. That wasn't really. That was, <laughs> was Sean making stuff up? I don't. I don't. Sean wasn't. Sean wasn't really in on the conversations. I mean, you know, we kept him. We kept him apprised and everything like that. But we were. We were. You know, finding. So I, I don't know if like maybe we were. Um, maybe he just didn't know who the drummer was going to be. Yeah, I think maybe he didn't know who the drummer was going to be. Oh, what's what's his name, Susie? Uh, the guy that Jamie drummer? Jamie Oliver. Yeah, Jamie Oliver. Yeah. yeah, Jamie Oliver. He's another rad drummer, and we had talked with him about about doing some of these runs. Um, just it just didn't really. Scheduling like, stuff. Yeah, scheduling stuff didn't work out, and Neil did such a good job. And like, um, you know, part of the thing is like on tour, like sometimes things can go wrong. You know, we call it eating shit. And like Brussels airline lost like Neil's bag uh, during one of our like one of our flights. Yeah, with his snare and his kick pedal in it. Yeah. So like, you know, and and it wasn't sure he was going to get it back. It would have been a several thousand dollar loss. He had to go into these shows without using his own equipment he was comfortable with, and he absolutely and he just like he just rolled with it in the best way that like a touring professional can, hmm. and that really imp- like on top of his drumming like like just his his uh, his ability to like roll with the punches like really impressed us, you know. And so after so after just just everything that we went through in Europe, we were like, you know, that's if, the guy if, we want to if, have if, around. Yeah, if we get these opportunities to come through, like. We want Neil to be there with us, like he's fucking earned it, you know. So, so is he? Is he living over there? Or is he living over here? He lives in London. He lives <laughs> in London, huh? Yeah. So that's how you know we know he's fucking good. Is that we will fly his ass out? Yep. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And you, I, I've played with a lot of drummers, you know, and you don't always click with people. Um, you could get through tours, you know, and sound good enough, but like, there's another level to this whole being a successful band thing where you have to actually click in a magical way with the people that you're on stage with and when you find that you hold on to it yeah cool there there you go neil words of wisdom i'll tell you what why don't we play a song and then we're gonna we'll get into every other thing about your tour coming up your records you gotta get into these records now yeah she's put out two records since we talked to her last yep she has and I have many questions. Okay. okay. Well, Susie, I asked Susie for six songs, and she picked six, but only one of them was one of her own, so it was kind of interesting. So which one of the six do you want to play first, Susie? Um, well, um, we can start off with the lead single from Dumb and in Love, which is called Dumb and in Love. Oh, my God. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did that because last time we spoke, I think we played a few of my songs off the Call the Shots EP. And, yep, I think we played all of them. Yep. You know, exactly. And it's like, people can find my music, but maybe people don't know what we as a band are listening to. Sure. You know, and I asked Patty to contribute a song, Drew to contribute a song, and then, uh, you know, we picked a song that's got my name in it. And we picked a song from a band that we're fucking going on tour with. So, um, and also a David Bowie song because that movie's coming out. We're seeing it tomorrow, and I'm just like, ah. I'm in a Bowie place, you know. That Moon Dream, so, Teenage Moon Dream. Yeah, Teenage Moon Dream. Uh, what? No, what? I always forget the name of that goddamn song. Moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. Moon there you go. Thank you. Moon Age Daydream. There's a Bowie movie coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm one of the most out of touch people you'll ever meet. <laughs> I apologize, but I don't really because I don't. Whatever. I if I have to see it, I'll see it. I actually think looking at him, he might, he might be in the 17th century looking at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> he does this because he's got the pirate mug and he's sort of got the pirate like headgear going too. Oh, he yeah. If Keith Richards can do it, why can't I? Exactly. Because you know? Keith, Keith Richards is 125 years old. <laughs> well. You know, like I say, age is a mentality, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of course, I am as well. All right, so let's listen to, uh, yeah, the first track on the album, uh, Dominant Love. This is Dominant Love by Susie Moon.
uh, Domin in Love There by Susie Moon. And as powerful as the drums sound at the beginning of that track, the recorded track, they're even better live. That you mean you've been playing that live first in your set for as long as I've seen you. I think every time I've seen you you've played that song live. And yeah. that, the drums are just fucking killer. Just killer. Really yeah. it's really fun. Opener until really we fun. write a new opener. It's yeah. hard to um it's hard to throw that anywhere else in the set because it, it does it's, it was written to open the album, and it's just got that feel to it, you know? And I'm going to open the set with it until we feel like everybody in this fucking country has seen that. <laughs> you know? but, well, no, it's, it's a great opening track, though, because it just gets your blood pumping, you know? Very yeah. aggressive, yes. Very like aggressive, it. indeed. So, the song itself... I mean, you mentioned Blackpool in there, so were you? did you have a boyfriend from Blackpool or something? Is, I mean, is it autobiographical or not? Um, no, it definitely is, yeah, and I actually just, I was working on an interview for a Canadian magazine earlier, and they're like, it says Blackpool, is this a coincidence you are playing Rebellion? You know, like, have you ever been there before? And it's like, I've played Rebellion six times before. Oh, holy shit, I didn't know it was that many times. That's a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so I actually, I have a very special <laughs> place in my heart for Blackpool and Rebellion Festival in general. I've made a shitload of friends there. I've played some of the best shows of my career there. Some of the worst shows of my career there, you know. And um, one time there was a crush sort of situation. Ah, okay. It led to a song, you know. As you should, you should transfer those things into songs. At any opportunity, you know. If if there's something juicy to it, turn it into a fucking song. Um, but something that I talked about. Because, you know, because it's the title track, I have to talk about this song a lot, right? And, like, the message of it is absolutely not an anti-love song by any means. Like, in a blanket sort of sense, it's like, just take the fucking ride, you know? At no point am I saying this is bad or this is really good. It's just, like, when you feel these love feelings, you kind of go dumb, you know? And you kind of lose sense of like your cool side and like you get all wacky in your head and st- <laughs> and so it's really just an anthem about experiencing those feelings and you know there's a little bit of a story in the lyrics to kind of support that um but yeah fuck man when i wrote that song i was like this has to be the title of the album because it just it encompasses love on so many different levels you know um and it just it really just wraps the whole record up and it's strong and I mean, fuck. I love playing that song. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Tom, I think it's a good t- good time for you to ask that question you were going to ask about the about the album. Oh, and when oh. it when it was recorded and stuff. So okay, so what is the order? Okay, so you've got the three albums. Obviously, you put up the Call the Shots first. Mm-hmm. Then you did Animal. Then you did the LP. What order was were they recorded in? Did you did did I hear that the LP was actually recorded first? You are totally right. If this was like watching the movie, the, the the Conjuring movies, and everything was out of order, and you had to go back and watch them in chronological order. Like a freaking Tarantino movie. Yeah, you'd be like, oh. Um, so, Dumb and in Love is actually the first in line of all, all of it. Um, Dumb and in Love was written and recorded before Call the Shot songs and animal songs were even written. Hmm. So, uh, so, did you... What? Did you use your full band? Because I, I thought like the kind of like the gimmick from the first EP was that you pretty much played everything. I think Drew played lead guitar, right? But you kind of you kind of did a lot of the music on that. Did, did, so is the full band on all the records? Well, how, how did that work? 
but guitar. So that's, and I, I played shitty piano on I'm Not a Man. Bass. Oh, did I play bass? Yeah, you did. I did play bass. Sorry, I forgot. It obviously meant a lot to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. So many um, okay, so this is how this went down, right? I had a band called Turbulent Hearts before I had even decided to do Susie Moon band solo thing. And I had written a bulk of the songs that are the Dumb and in Love record. And they weren't Turbulent Hearts songs. And I just had these songs and they stuck with me. And I was like, fuck, I want to record them really, really badly. And th- again, there was no intention of like, this is going to be this big. Thing. It was more like I'm gonna record an album. She, she means she badly wanted to record them. Not <laughs> no, she... record them badly. <laughs> I didn't want to record them badly. I really record them, and I I would have put this shit up on SoundCloud. Like I didn't think there was any real um, after Turbulent Hearts. I didn't really feel, know if there was a demand for anything I was doing at all. Like I was very lost. You know, is but there I... rock on SoundCloud? Would you have to get face tattoos and start rapping <laughs> if you did that? Mm. <laughs> After I turned forty, we'll see how. I'm sorry, keep going. That's my my bad. Yeah. So after Turbulent Hearts, then this band Ellie Machina, a three piece girl group Mm. that I was briefly in for about a year, we were getting ready to make our record, and I wrote, I wrote, I wrote, I'm not a man in special place in hell before Ellie Machina got started, but I brought those songs, presented them to Ellie Machina, and said, I got a couple songs, and then I wrote nothing to me. And I was like, maybe these songs can go on the L.A. Machina record. So I recorded them with L.A. Machina. Um, so I played bass in that band. That's why I'm playing bass on those recordings. And Ricky Sticks, who now plays drums for Death Valley Girls, she was the drummer for uh, L.A. Machina. And then the band fell apart, and that was great. But the songs, like, were... The, the stems of them were there, basically, right? And Pirates Press Records came to me and said, well, what have you got? And so I sent them those three songs, and they were like, we love these songs. Let's release them. They seem like they're pretty close to the finish line. Let's release an EP while you're finishing this LP you're talking about. And so Drew had to, Drew and I flew back out to L.A. Um, we fucking changed up the guitars. He re-recorded all new solos, all that. We did new gang vocals. We just we made the songs. We took them back and made them fully Susie Moon songs instead of like the stuff that I'd kind of done with Ellie Machina, you know. Um, and then that was like ready to go. Pirates was like, let's put it out, great. And I'm like, okay, I'm still working on the LP, still working on it, blah blah blah. And then it was like, oh, okay, I actually need more time to finish the LP because I kept going back to the same studio in Long Beach, California, where I had recorded the LP before I moved out to the East Coast. And so that's when I wrote Animal, Gold Record Autograph, and Sonic Attraction was something from like my vault of songs that I had that um, we were going to do actually with Ellie Machina, but they were playing it too slow. So we, re- we just tracked all those songs, and it was really an attempt to buy more time to finish the LP. And by then I was like, well, this is actually a good idea because at fans of me who are just learning about me for the first time just discovering me like taking a bite out of a whole record for a new artist that's like it's a big ask you know but by trickling out a batch of three songs here three songs there and they're starting to get to know me and anticipate a full record for from me you know they're going to be more likely to accept that and and buy it you know having had a little bit of time to get used to me existing you know um so 
fuck, man. Up until March of this year when we went out with Teenage Bottle Rocket, Pacific Northwest, and I retracked a little bit of vocal stuff at my Carrera studio in Bremerton, that was finally like the last touch that was put on Dumb and in Love, you know? And I'm... It's, it's got to be weird, confusing for people, but, like, now when someone asks, well, what would this represent the direction the band is going? It's like, well, no, actually, Animal would be, because Animal is the most recently written stuff, you know? Um, but this is just the way it worked out. Um, but the songs are totally me. Like, that doesn't change, you know, no matter what era. You know, I'm proud of all of my song babies, and they all exist in my little universe. And I think now, because of... You know, there's a couple mid-tempo songs, and there's a ballad, you know, and there's kind of like a folky sort of like lullaby at the end. You know, I felt more confident sharing that with people mm-hmm. after giving them those those first bites. Do you know what I mean? So when, did, so when did Patty come on board? Patty came on board. So Call the Shots EP was recorded by me and Drew, basically. And uh, Ricky left her drum tracks on because we're tight. Um, and Patty joined... For Animal. For Animal EP, so it was still a whole year from the time Call the Shots was recorded to me moving to DC to the EP starting to get pushed out and stuff. It came out in May 2021. We did not rehearse with Patty until I think it was June or July 2021. That's crazy. Yeah. Because, because, go ahead, Tom. I was gonna say the cool thing about the EPs is I think. They're short. It's definitely a leave them wanting more type of situation. But style-wise, you were kind of able to, like, I, I think of the first EP as sort of having like a proto-punk feel, but you're able to sustain that over three tracks. You know, you don't necessarily want to do that for ten tracks. And the same thing with the Animal EP, mm-hmm. which to me had sort of like a glammy feel to it, maybe kind of a Sunset Strip whiskey a go kind of. That's how what I got, and maybe that's not oh. what you were thinking, but that's what yeah. I was kind of thinking. No, it's and, great. And, and once again, I don't know that you'd want to do a ten-track album of that, but I just felt that three, you know, both the EPs, the songs are really cohesive. Well, what I really but, like as well, and I'm sure you did this on purpose, was that none of the tracks from the EPs are on the album. Oh I yeah, think, I think that's super important. I mean, unless it's like an eighteen-track album or some shit. But. I mean, that's and then Neil would complain about like, it being too long. I would. Huh. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a songwriter. You know, I got I've already got enough songs to start pre-production on another record, and now. After playing with Patty for a year, who's a great songwriter and riff writer, and Drew, who's just a fucking well of songs and brilliant on <laughs> there that, you go. There you go. I, I haven't gotten to utilize these guys yet, really, to their fullest, yeah. you know, fucking maximum extent of what what we can do as a band. Like that's really exciting to me because now we've been playing together for a year, and I've got the best players I've ever played with on my side the other stuff i i had to do that the way i had to do it you know but that animal ep that was the first time the four of us were really in the studio together and that's why i think it it sounds to me i just i love that record so much you know we Um, knocked that one out so fast with like no rehearsal it was it was a pretty special experience for me and i know for all of us being in the studio like the four of us and just the way we were able to handle those sessions and get those songs sounding the way they did. And the other thing is that there was one more song that we did in that session. Oh, yeah. Which was... We can't uh, talk about it. Which we can't talk about. No. But um, <laughs> that, that'll, that'll be coming out. And, uh, but, but We can't ruin the surprise. But I we can't were, wait to hear who that's a split with. Four songs in just no time flat with like no rehearsal flat. We just 
you know, we just came together and like immediately we were sort of like, I call it like a punk rock, punk rock nuclear reactor, you know? Wow. We work really well in the studio together because everyone's got their strengths and something to contribute to this. We are just now getting to a point where, no, we're a real fucking band, okay? <laughs> For real. Everything else was just fucking charades. <laughs> just to just uh, make and do with what I, what I had. And I'm so thankful that it all worked out and we tricked the public <laughs> and it worked, okay? <laughs> But we are, this band has now been together for about a year as a real band, you know, and we are hitting a stride, you yeah. know, like this is just the tip of the iceberg really with what we can do. Yeah. But we're going to see that. We're going to find out for ourselves in about three weeks or four weeks. So <laughs> we'll be the judge of whether or not you're hitting your strides, but we believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's stick another song in, Neil. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, talking about that tour with the with the Dead Boys or with Cheetah, yes. um, let's play uh, "Susie Pick Caught with the Meat in Your Mouth" by the Dead Boys, off nice. Young Loud and Snotty. So, uh, yeah, now, who picked pretty that? Decent, pretty decent album, I would say. Yeah, holy shit, yes. <laughs> so, Susie, who? No, it's not like a foundational album. Yeah, exactly. yeah for sure. It's it not like I bought it. millions of people or anything. It's not like I bought it three or four times over the years in different <laughs> formats or anything. Indeed. So, who picked that? Did one? Did or was that just a, gr- a group decision? I picked that. All right, there you go. Because it's sexy. <laughs> In- indeed, indeed. I love yes. I love sex and punk rock. I just yeah. think they belong together. And yeah, there's there's, no, there's nothing as sexy as watching Steve eat bologna off his own chest. It's great. <laughs> it's one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> that, that, right. that CBGB says I watch it at least every two weeks. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's his Viagra. Jesus what alright let's listen to that everybody well you've all heard it before caught with the meat in your mouth dead boys
All right. Quote, with the meat in your mouth by the dead boys, of course. And so how did this... So you are going out on tour with the reconstituted dead boys. Um, It's a long tour as well, right? It's like a... It's like, like a month or something. A month long, right? It, like 30 dates or something? It's six weeks. Six weeks. Holy shit. Yeah. By today's standards, that is enormous. Right. Yeah. So how did that come about? How did you guys get invited to be on that on that bill? Sorry. <laughs> I guess I must have upset her with that question. Okay, here's... Here's Let me guess. Cheetah, Cheetah but, saw Susie and said, I need her on the tour. Of course, Susie got an email and then we were doing it. <laughs> well, I don't know how to tell the story better than that. We, were, we had to submit for it. Why don't you tell the story? Okay, fine. I'll tell the story. Okay. <laughs> okay. One of the best parts about being in a band that has a real booking agent is that your booking agent gets word of tours that are coming up before everybody else, right? And so um, our agent, Ian Watts at Atomic Music Group, sent me an email saying Dead Boys and The Briefs were looking for support in the fall. And I like what I was so fucking excited. And I was like, we have to do this. I want to do it so badly. Like, I sent them all these new pictures and little clips from the American Wasteland tour. I'm like, okay, you know, if this is meant to be, it's going to happen, you know. But, like, Dead Boys are, I mean, it's Dead Boys, you know. And just that it, to have your name build next to a band that is so mm-hmm. really influential for punk rock as a whole, like, you yeah, know, yeah. personally, personally, I mean, we've yeah. been talking about dead boys and Stiv's influence on us since the beginning of this project and, and how much they, you know, they in particular inspired what we're doing with Susie Moon. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, what, it was like a week or two weeks later and we were in Newport, Kentucky <laughs> and I had just started a driving shift and like Ian like calls me or something and it was like you've got the tour and I was like I have to pull over <laughs> <laughs> you know but I definitely screamed out loud because oh, yeah. it's huge you know and the call the shots EP that the cover photo like that was my my idea of being like the love child of Steve Bader's and Betty Page <laughs> you know like that's what I was channeling like I often I pray to Stiv before I go on stage just for the spirit of rock and roll to like come through me you know because nobody is fucking cooler than the dead boys like really nobody's cooler no one's sexier no one's more dangerous and the songs are so fucking well crafted you know so um yeah this is like a dream come true tour if I never did another tour for the rest of my life I'd be like ha but I toured with the dead boys (laughs) like hmm and you got so they got Dead Boys and the Briefs, and in Chicago yeah. they just added the Poison Boys, which is excellent too. Yes, because yeah, uh, great, yes. great bill. It's a great bill. It's a, now the only I've downside. I've never of, seen the. I've never seen the Briefs too. I'm actually super excited to see them too. Yeah, the Briefs I are great. I, I haven't seen them live. They had a big influence on me, um, like a couple years back, especially from like my previous band, the Split Seconds. That kind of garagey, spiky, up tempo. Yep. Punk rock. I love it. Again, great songs. Great look. And just yeah. kind of, and just like offensive lyrics too. I love it. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah, I love. I mean, it. I, they they were one of those bands too that that really kind of during. It's like when were they at? Like late nineties, early two thousand. Early two thousand. Early two thousand. Yeah. yeah. They were one of those bands that was really outwardly bringing like good fashion sense back. 
Yes, yeah. agreed. To the fold, yeah, Spirit of 77 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, they looked great. Right. The live shows were amazing, and it was, yeah, total package. It's, it's the, Most of the punk bands from that era were definitely not as spiky as they were. Yeah, I, I, they, were, they were cool. They, were cool. They, I mean, you had a lot of cool-looking bands, but you didn't have bands that also looked like a street gang. You know, <laughs> that I I do miss that. I do miss bands that look like they're going to beat your ass after the show. Oh yeah, we if need they, more if of they that. Were, if they were creepers, that's enough for me. That's enough for me. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Cook. So yeah. So yeah. So that's a that's a great bill. The only kind of downside to it is that where it's going to be because uh, that place is out there, man. That's a long drive out of Chicago, but it's you know it is what it is. You know, I think because of the package and you know bands got to get paid for whatever reason that was the venue that could do what needed to be done to make the show happen well it's actually really interesting because that venue they're one of the venues that will have like you know i think like tonight they like have like a billy idol cover band or something like that you know what i mean they have a lot of that kind of thing out there so this is really unusual for them to have like four kick-ass bands on a bill so yeah interesting yeah Yeah. i mean in there we don't well they're welcome yeah, <laughs> we're gonna fuck it up, Hopper. You know, anyone who makes the drive out there, we're gonna make it well, work. There. I'm excited. Oh, to no, po- no shit. Yeah, excited to see Poison Boys again. They're good guys. Yeah, they're really good bands. Yeah, um, and Matthew the singer is awesome. But I also go back with the bassist a little bit. We've known each other when we were in previous bands, and you know, these 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 guys are all lifers. They get it. They're rock and rollers. They got good songs. They look great. And they're they're the homies, so it's really going to be good to see them again. Yeah, I saw them twice just a couple of weeks ago. As a matter of fact, they're really good. That, that new album of theirs is really fucking good. Yeah, it's really really good. So uh, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, that's that's coming up, and that's I think October fifteenth. Now, 15th. when does the tour start for you guys? Um, we start driving. The tour kicks off in Austin, so we start driving on October second. The second, okay, so that's well, just a couple weeks, weeks in. then. Couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, two weeks in by the time it does. Yeah, we were supposed to play Punk and Drublick in Baltimore to kick off the tour, um, but that ended up getting either canceled or postponed. We're not sure. Yeah, so they got, they got. Yeah, it was apart. a bummer, but uh, yeah, but it's all good. We will, uh, we'll be in Austin, October fifth. October fifth, and uh, kicking ass. Yeah, and then we won't be home until like November twenty second. Home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you guys have been on the on the road for pretty much what eight, nine, ten months straight, really? Because we saw you in De- was it December? I think Tom, when we saw him with uh, with the queers. Yeah, we saw him two nights in December. Yeah, but yeah. it's like it seems like it's like home for a week, gone for, like home for two weeks, gone for a week, right? Because most of them were short. I mean, this has got to be your longest tour coming up, right? This six weeks. It's our longest, but we'll usually, um, you know. Two weeks, three week tours. Uh, American Wasteland was a month. Europe was a month. Was that a month? Okay. Yeah, and then six weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's. I like. I think all of us like being on the road for longer stretches because you just start to get in the rhythm, you know, and you just like you just want to keep you just want to keep rolling with it. So as long as you can, as long as you can actually get the dates strung together that long, it's like yeah, let's just stay out. Let's just keep doing it. The the back and forth thing is what takes a toll. Yeah, like yeah. switching. Going home for a month. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. Like most bands will get. You find that you're mega dialed in. You're not super dialed in until like after that first week. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of the time when you're doing these week-long tours, by the time you're like firing on all cylinders and ready to rip throats out or whatever you do, you go home. And then it's kind of like, oh. Mm. That makes know. sense. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's funny, Neil. She alluded, Susie alluded earlier to the fact that she still drives the van. I guess they are a real band. They even make her drive the van. <laughs> I love driving. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm a quiet driver. Like, nobody fucking talked to me. Like, I'm just, I drive and zone out. And it's like, it's good for me. You, you know? put music on or you just sit there and stare out the window? Well, when <laughs> like I'm a psycho. Home, <laughs> um, I generally drive in silence. But. When you're in a van with people, you kind of have to put on music, but the driver gets to pick the music, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so do you all get on, or is uh, I assume you do? Shit. Well, do we all? Yeah, yeah. No, we we all get along really good, actually. Like we we this this band for me personally, like I've never been in a band where I get along so well with people, and like right away it was so organically like a family, and like. It's it's yeah. I could be stuck in a van with these guys for nine months, and it you know. Oh yeah. yeah. I think also it's because we all have previous band experience, previous touring experience. We've all been in less savory situations, <laughs> and we know how to behave and not be assholes, right? Like it's pretty easy actually to like get along with people on tour. Yeah. Um. So, and be, like, being a sober yeah. band really helps that a lot. Yeah, too. I was thinking yeah. that probably helps, right? Yeah, because no one's waking up hungover and angry. Puking if you though. remove if you remove alcohol from the equation, it seems like the fist fights go way down. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true on podcasts too. That's why Neil and I are always having it out because we're usually half in the bag, both of us. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Neil. Let's let's stick another song in there. I'm keeping us. I'm gonna try to keep us on task for putting songs in since we got six songs. Okay. Um, what do you want to play next, Drew? Why don't you have the next pick, man? What did what did you pick tonight? I picked. Uh, I think the Living End. Listen up, Susan. Of you, course you did. You did. Of course you did. The Living End. Um, I love and, it. and I have to say, I had a really hard time finding this one because it doesn't oh. look. It doesn't look like they actually had this on any recording, did they? Because I couldn't find it. Should have, it should have been on White Noise. Were you able to finally track it down? I was able to find a live version of it, and that's all I was able to find. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure it's still good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker for The Living End. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're really well-known in Australia, but yeah. I, don't think, uh, I don't think they're as well-known in the States. For yeah, sure. they should be. They should be. I've known about them for a while. Well, you, they you, had their moment, like, was it like late 90s? They had, like, kind of that one big, the Victim they, of Society? had their one big hit, Prisoner of Society. Prisoner of Society, mm-hmm. that's what, yeah, yeah. They, They've kept at it all these years, and uh, they got they got real bangers on every one of their records. And I, I know everybody else everybody else is tired of me talking about him, but they're not- <laughs> he's he's like no way Chris. He's like my guy, you know. He's my Love. my. And the, I'll tell you, like the cool thing about them was when I was coming up, and and you know it was a lot of like Blink One Eighty Two and No FX and all that stuff, and, and that stuff's great, and it has its place. But <laughs> I'm with Susie on that. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> living, in, living in like they they channeled the '70s British punk rock thing, and also like he's a great guitar player who was channeling like the Stray Cats and like reggae and stuff like that. So getting into those guys really took me down a different route that that thankfully kept me from going the emo route, <laughs> the metalcore route, you know. So, so Lenny, big. 
Big fan. It, it's Any like, uh-oh, Drew, Drew's driving again. I guess we're going to be listening to the living end. <laughs> yeah, for six hours, yeah. <laughs> well, any band that's got it's a stand-up living end or, or, or a lot of metal. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm totally cool with, too. I'm a big guitar player, I'll admit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's Okay, so this is going to be a live version. Unless I can find a, uh, a recorded version, this is going to be a live version of uh, Wake Up Little Susie, obviously by the Everly Brothers first. But uh, this is the living end. Uh, oh, it's, it's listen up, Susie, not wake up, little Susie. It should be listen up, Susie. Oh, I might have written it wrong. Oh shit! See, that's why that's I couldn't. That's why it. I couldn't find it. <laughs> my bad. Okay, so Drew, Drew, introduce this one again for us, then, my friend. This is listen up, Susie, by the living end. Okay. Listen up, Susie. I got something to say. I gotta tell you right now. It's Listen up, Susie, by the living end. And that completely explains why I couldn't find the song. That's so funny. <laughs> but well, they, you know but they actually do do a live version of it, so... There's so many songs with my name in the title that it's really hard to track of them. That's actually true. Yeah. yeah. Have, have you heard the, the Stranglers song, Choosy Susie? That's a, that's a oh, one. yeah. Yeah. That's yeah a actually, a uh, Rebellion Festival this year, they, they had me... Um, like submit some stuff for the program you know and they printed like a little Susie Moon thing in the program and I did a top 10 list of my favorite songs with my name in it wow yeah there's that's a brief song with my name in it too that's actually really interesting yeah mm-hmm. and I think uh, who has one called Susie as a heartbreaker um hmm I can't remember I think it's San Francisco band I can't remember okay then there's yeah. the boys classified Susie classified Susie yep. Uh, Ravagers, Susie's Got a Newsy. Susie's Got a Newsy by Ravagers, that was on my list. Um, New Kind of Kick by The Cramps. 
I'd have to refer to my list. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to see this list. Yes, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk a little bit about the European tour. How long okay. were you guys over there? And uh, I don't even know where to start because you you played so many different places over there. Why don't you guys just take me through the the kind of tour from from start to finish where you first first ended up when you were there? Yeah, well, we landed in Munich on, fuck, like, July 11th or something, and met up with Neil the next day, and we spent two days rehearsing in our buddy's rehearsal space that happened to be right next to the venue where Didi Ramon played his last show. Huh. Felt pretty special. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, you're out of the whole wide world. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to be in the root, like in the building next to the place where Dee Dee played his last show, like some, some vibes there, you know? Um, but we spent two days grinding, fucking rehearsing with Neil. And then we were off to the races. We played our first show in Munich. Um, then I think we had a festival after that. A lot of these festivals, they're not really in the bigger cities. They're in these like kind of weird little villages outside of town, right? So they're not necessarily places the average person has heard of. Um, but fuck, tons of people show up to these things. Yeah, yeah, um, great. Every festival we played, you know, just like loads of fucking people out there. A lot of there, people. You know, and they're drinking beers like bigger than my forearm. Yeah, Steins or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Body they're, temperature. They're just such happy people. Yeah. Um, I love your... Oh, excuse, excuse me, the Germans are such happy people? They are. Apart yeah. from when they're starting world wars, I guess. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's been 80 years, Neil. Time to let it go. No, really? I'm not letting it go. <laughs> but all the European bands, too, they, now, they, got, they have way less poison in their food. Um, everything works. The fucking infrastructure there is better. The healthcare is better. Like, German people seem pretty fucking happy to me. Like, they don't have a lot of shit to complain about in 2022. Um, mm, name me one German comedian. There you go. Well, I rest my case. You can't, you can't name a comedian. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we did a bunch of festivals. We played in Berlin. That was kind of weird. And then, um, fuck, we flew into France and played a really cool club in the south of France called Secret Place. Yes. Which Ben came out that had been writing me on Instagram for a long time, and he brought his whole family and his cousins, yes. you know, and he was just really fucking excited to see us, and that made me really excited to play for him, you know, even though there was, like, a whole crowd there, right, but, like, this one fucking kid made that show for me, you know, because mm-hmm. he was just so excited to see us, and we had been, we had come from so far away, right, and he was just so stoked. Um, so we ended up bringing him on stage for the last two songs. I gave him my guitar. He's not left-handed. And it wasn't turned on. You know? <laughs> just for him to hold it and yeah, yeah. be on stage with us and fucking rock out. You know? Um, and we just all had a blast kind of messing around with him on stage. And, you know, letting him shine up there with us. Um, so that was really, really special. And then... Two days later, we played like 1,500 people at this festival in Albi, France. Um, that was probably like, um, besides Rebellion Festival, the next biggest festival that we did. Yeah. It was like Anti-Flag and Get Dead and Clowns. Comeback Kid. Comeback Kid. Millen Clowns Call. are so good. Um, yeah. We all fucking just went ape shit over this band Clowns from Australia. Clowns are fantastic, aren't they? Clowns are just Dude, great. Like, 
it's very rare for me to be able to stand and watch an entire band set. That might just be like an old man thing of me, but <laughs> I was completely captivated by clowns the entire time. It, it was I, they're one of my favorite bands right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I could not stop smiling during their set, and that's mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what is this? This is good. Like mm-hmm. really, really, really good and energetic. You mm-hmm. know, and, um, it's just it's nice to see other bands that are kind of like <clears throat> in our same scene. You know, really carrying that torch. Um, so we all bro down like. Or you know you want to be friends like hi, hi. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. It's a, it's always cool to meet other bands that when you meet them you feel like you've already been friends for a while. Well, especially when they're from the other side of the world, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. Like like me me and me and Frank were talking about our respective hometowns where we live, and we both reached the conclusions that we both live in kind of like these weird little white trash hamlets. Yeah. So we're like. <laughs> Comparing the the American versions versus the Australian version, which wasn't much different. It's just a little like they drink Fosters and have an accent, right? Yeah, but like it was awesome. Yeah, it's cool because it's like um, you know we're all cut from the same cloth. So when you find those people that like feel like your people, mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. That that was one of the biggest pisses of uh, COVID to me. They were supposed to play. I think they were on tour. I think with Good Riddance or something. I think that was like March of 2020 or April of 2020 or something, and obviously that whole tour got canceled. So that was yeah. that was a huge pisser. Yeah, yeah. Well, they seem like they're touring a lot, and I'm sure they'll come back to America at some point because we're going to be like, when are you coming back to America? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, okay, so you're in Berlin, you played this festival, and then where was it from there? Well, the festival was in France. Oh, it was in France. I'm sorry. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah you lost me. Yep, yep. Um, and then from there, we went up to England and drove a fucking long-ass drive whole day up to Edinburgh, which is, like, the northernmost part, right? Uh, we got into Scotland by that point after landing in London. So that was a hell of a day. So and hold on, you, thought, drove, you drove from London to Edinburgh in one day? Oh, yeah. Wow. And I thought do that drive without having ever driven reverse like that before yeah <laughs> and i try like the the trip from the air so i drove the trip from the airport to the hotel and like it was a little there was a little trepidation there no Luckily, shit neil is a londoner neil knows how to drive on the wrong side of the road oh yeah you had the london with you okay yeah 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 saved our ass because yeah would have made it in one piece, but making it in one piece on time with everything—I don't know—that would have been real. That would have been real dodgy. He did that whole drive. Yeah, he did that whole drive and the drive back. Yeah. Well, so he, you know, when when I love Drew, I love you. But yeah. And I'm not like a nervous. I don't. I'm not prone to getting nervous. But yeah. there were times when like no. I was puckering a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the right response. I, I, I can assure you that I was more afraid than, than you were, probably. I was, I was fully fearful. <laughs> I had my eyes closed and was praying the entire time. Yeah. So These are right responses, yeah. And yeah. we hotel. Yeah. We but did. you were smart enough to not try again. Hell no. I want the best guy about <laughs> doing it. And when you got somebody in the car from the UK, let them drive if they want, if they're down to drive. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I'm from there, but I haven't lived there in 35 years or whatever. And, uh, Dealing with the roundabouts and it's the roundabouts. right the roundabouts right, 
the roundabouts. Crazy. Yeah, I did. I did a little bit of the motorway driving. Yeah, but the freaking roundabouts and like there's this that like instinctive thing where I see a car coming on the wrong side of the road and I think I'm going to get in a in a head-on collision like every five minutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was exhausting. So it does for any any anybody in the U.S. thinking about trying that. Just uh, heads up, it's tougher than you you maybe think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, it's not yeah. possible. And also, also, all the roads are so narrow. That's another yeah. thing that freaks my ass out whenever yeah, I go narrow, back home. There's like a special, you know, there's special like decorum about how you go around lorries that are in taking up half of the street and stuff like that. So yeah, Neil Neil saved our ass on that one, and we got to the gig on time, and uh, that was a miracle. Yeah. So yeah. So was that a club gig in Edinburgh, or was that like was it a festival or something? Bannerman's is like uh, the club that I usually play at when I'm up there, and they they take good care of us, and they've got a band loft above the venue. A with, haunted band loft. Oh yeah, yeah. Loft. I want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Oh god. Because I I saw I read the interview on uh, Goldmine. Yeah. And okay, so tell us about the uh, the ghost situation up in Scotland, please, and your interaction with said ghosts. Patty, I, I think you were involved too. Patty's yeah. Well, see, the thing is, we we stayed in the loft above above Bannerman's, which at the time we didn't know it was like directly connected to the vaults. It's like right on the other side. Was this and a church or something? What are we talking? No, about? it's like the the Edinburgh vaults is like kind of like the underground. Back in the seventeen hundreds, was like the uh, it's like the slums okay. of Edinburgh. Okay. Yeah. And so, basically, the night we get in there, I had, I was up every five or ten minutes with these insane, like, night terrors, where I was yelling across the room to our drummer, Neil, to, like, get up and get out, but I couldn't get the words out. And the entire room was bathed in this red and orange kind of glow. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Maybe it's just, you know, whatever. And then the next night, we or later on in the next night we take a ghost tour of the vaults and the second i started to set foot in there i was getting like anxious and just getting cold sweats and then part way through the tour susie looked at me and was like you all right because i guess i had like gone really pale and i was just not okay and you know he's going through the history of the, of the vaults he's just going over it and it turns out that there was a, a fire at one point in the vaults and to i think to stop the spread of the fire they had locked the doors to the vaults which in turn like basically roasted three or four hundred people slowly alive oh jesus and yeah so that's where like that the 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 night terrors from the night before come into play because i had no clue about the fire but i'm having these nightmares with red and orange glows and stuff and then as he's describing that, I'm just like, there's every couple minutes, I'm like close to tears. I'm like, Susie's like, dude, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's okay. But I wasn't. And towards the end of the guy telling the story about the fires, I hear this like almost growling whisper in my ear. And my entire right arm and hand just got like ice cold and numb for a second. And then it was over. But then we got out of there and I was in the living room and I, was, I just had a breakdown because it wow. was just like I, I just absorbed all that dread and all that sadness of that entire place and I was like 
wow, that's a whole. It was an experience. I mean, if when we make it to New Orleans, we're gonna do some ghost tours, and then I'll see how much of a breakdown I have there. But yeah, it's <laughs> that's got to be good for a song or two on the next record. I would think. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. it's, it's cool to know that I can pick up on you know energies and stuff like that. Cool, but not cool because I didn't. Yeah, that'd be much great. Of a Soon choice. the dad will be talking to you. You'll never sleep, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's all right. <laughs> have Have you always been that like that, Patty? Or was that the first time um, you were aware of that? No, I kind of when I had that experience, I did think about kind of a lot of times when I was younger. I would describe like, you know, seeing things in my room or feeling presences in houses where like, you know, generations before people had passed and all that stuff. And you know, my family's always been like. Okay, yeah, I know. Yep, you're fine. You're just the bar. Susie's weird like little... writing a Craigslist ad in her head right now. <laughs> 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 I'm talking Ghost Hunter for hire. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things it, you can either, like, get weird about it or I just accepted it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, now, now I know if I walk into a building and I don't feel anything weird, I'm like, all right, cool. It's fine. We're, I'm not going to get visited by a fire in the night or you yeah. know two by a phantasm Susie and drew did did you guys feel anything or or not was it was it weird for you guys i knew that place was bad you know um but i'm i'm really close to god and i have a cross tattooed on my hand so if i'm not wearing my necklace i always have one with me and i've i've seen ghosts my whole life and experienced a lot of stuff i think because i've stayed there before and i've been around in Bannermans and in Edinburgh before, you know, like, ghosts don't really fuck with me, you know what I mean? Because, like, I'll just tell them to get get lost, like, really fast, like, and call on God to basically fucking banish them, you know? So that's <laughs> Susie why the vampire slayer over here. She is, she's scary, she scares away ghosts. <laughs> Dude, I will. And I felt very protective of Patty, that's what instinct I had, was like, there's something up with Patty, like, something's not with <laughs> Yeah. You know, I need to near him i need to make sure he's okay you know so i knew that there was of course there's something it's sad you know there was a really sad feeling in there Mm -hmm. my other instinct was to take photos which is something i've never done on any ghost tour or anything before um so with my flash off you know i was like snapping a couple photos and i just i felt like i needed to do that and then the next day when we were driving to Blackpool, I was going through the pictures. I'm like, well, these are really fucking dark, right? Because there's absolutely no light in there. So I'm like going on a little app and just turning the brightness up as far as I could to like see. For some reason, I just wanted to see if there was something I could catch. Um, and I noticed like this tiny person um, hanging out between these two dudes. And the tour was at 18 over... No children were on this tour. Certainly nobody in, like, an old-timey dress with, like, blacked-out eyeballs was on this tour, you know? But it was clear as day that there was somebody there at one point and, like, not there in the next frame, you know? So I showed all the guys, and they're like, that's fucked up. No, you know? Um, <laughs> analytical about it, like, well, was there anybody on the tour who might wear that? You know, do you remember those two girls? Was it maybe one of them? Or, like... Dude, but no. Like it was I have to say Drew, Drew looks particularly unimpressed by all of these no, stories. I, I maybe I look unimpressed, but I'll tell you that like 
I, I, I am like, I'm not super close-minded about that stuff. Like, I'm open-minded about it, but I'm also pretty skeptical of it usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, we started the tour, and, and we go down to the Bannermans, you know, like, it's it's these vaults that are next to Bannermans. And the first room that they take us into are these, like, medieval torture devices. And even through that room, like, the kind of, like, heavy metal side of me is like, fuck yeah, we should bring these back for, like, being... <laughs> yeah. You like merge without a turn signal, you know? <laughs> and we like start going into the vaults and I, I can tell you and like you know, I can't explain this because it's like unexplainable, but we started going into the vaults and like I, I swear like I felt like I was like under attack. Like I started feeling like physically unwell hmm. when we go into like certain vaults and then I we'd like move to we'd like walk and I'd feel fine and then we'd go into the next vault and I would like again like to the point where I had to like go down to my knees. I can't explain this, I can't explain the photos. I'll just tell you that when I started on, like, the tour, I kind of was like, oh, this is cool, whatever. And by the time we left, I was like, there's some fucked up shit there. <laughs> Honestly, people shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, they yeah. need to be priest in there or somebody who knows how to deal with this. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, and I was, and especially after, because, like, even when Susie was just describing, like, seeing the little girl in the picture, like, you can, I got goosebumps right now. Like, we were in, we were in, like, a little travel center the next day when she showed me it kind of fucked me up for like a day and a half. Hmm. Like, I don't have a way to, like, I don't have a way to process this. I don't have a way to process any of that. Yeah. <laughs> you wow. know, I've never had supernatural experiences. You know, I'm not attuned to that at all. And, hmm. but, but there was something going on there, man. Interesting. I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. Honestly, I've yeah. done, done some of that stuff and I've never really, you know, I never really felt any legitimacy to the ghost tours or any of that stuff because I love that crap too. I love going to New yeah. Orleans, going through the graveyards and all that stuff, and I've never really felt anything. But huh, interesting. I, think, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that like during that tour, we stopped at a uh, one of the vaults is actually an active um, covenry, which coven? Coven? yeah, it's a it's it's a pla- it's a it's a place of worship for a coven of white witches. Hmm. And they went in to more or less kind of purify and sanctify the place. And when we were standing in front of their particular vault, is the only time in that entire vault that, or the entire tour, I kind of felt safe and protected. And oh. yeah, it was just it was a really fascinating experience. One that, as much as I would like, I want to live it again, but I also don't. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But you know. Coming soon to TikTok, Susie Moon Gang Ghost Hunt Tours. It's like airport. Investigate at all of the haunted venues that it's, we play. It's like Scooby Doo. <laughs> They're going through the Scoo- airport. It's like, why do you Scoo-Z-Doo. have these spikes? Why do you have these wooden spikes in your shoes? <laughs> yeah, Susie Doo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't do ghosts. I don't do ghosts. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Ghosts are just sad. It's sad. It's sad to be a ghost. You got to pass on. It sucks to be stuck somewhere. You know, like they be there. So of course they're gonna fuck with you. You know, they're jealous, and like they why wouldn't they be? You know, we're they're trapped, and we get to come and go as we please. You know, and it would just it would be great if they could just move on. You know, because there are a lot of people down there. You could feel it. Yeah, that was, that was a fucked up place. All huh. right. Well, I brought the I brought the conversation down. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. Next time, you're in, next time you're in country, you better go check that out. Because yeah, I, yeah. I, I suspect you're like myself, and you've never really 
Well, anything like that. So. Well, no, I have. I have. I, I actually, Tom, if you're in Chicago, the next time you're in Chicago, we'll go to this. There's this one theater that I think in like 1902, um, the theater burnt down. It killed like 900 people inside, I believe. It burnt in like in like less than an hour, and then that's where a lot of the fire safety precautions we have today came out ah. because of this fire in Chicago. But um, even though the f- place was rebuilt, the alley behind it. People jumped off the fire escape on like the fourth floor to try and escape the flames. Like two hundred people died in the alley, and the alley behind the theater is still really fucking creepy. It's, oh. it's just a weird feeling in that alley. It's uh, and it's not the regular Chicago kind of weird feeling. That's not, not the L and L Tavern weird feeling. No, 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 not the. Well, the, yeah, exactly. And you're gonna get shot. No, it just is. It's really fucking creepy. So, all right. Anyway. What's the scariest song they picked out, Neil? Um, I, I, I guess Alice Cooper. How's that? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, good segue. Yeah. Nice. Who picked this one? Me. Okay. Any What's the Alice reason? Cooper song? I'm Eight, fascinated. 18. Nice. Yeah. Because you, every time it comes on, you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. You cannot I mean, Alice Cooper's in his, he's in his 70s, he still plays that song. Oh, I love him so much. I really I saw him, I saw him just pre-COVID. And it's it really is amazing how good he is still. I mean, it's it helps that he can like wear that white makeup, so you can't see that he's you know like seventy something years old. But his show is still fantastic. Yeah, I'm a sucker I, for this. Self, he did he did a residency at the Pantages in Hollywood years ago. This must have been like two thousand twelve or something. Mm. He was there for the longest time, and I didn't go see him. And I'm an asshole, you know, <laughs> because now I want I just I'm, mm. but um, hopefully I'll get my chance to see Alex. All right. All right. Let's well, play the Alice Cooper song, and then I have a semi-related question that's from out of nowhere, Neil. That's that's will challenge our brain. We'll okay. challenge Susie's brain. All okay. right, Alice Cooper with eighteen.
Alice Cooper there with 18. Now, what was that? Was that like 75 or something? Was that? Really, was that earlier no, than that? Earlier than that. <laughs> earlier than that. Like, Early 70s. 72 or something? 71, CZ said. 71? Okay. okay. 71. Uh, I was born. Tom, did you ever see the uh, did you ever see the TV show Freaks and Geeks? Uh, no, I never watched it. See, that's a shame because that was set, that was show. set in Michigan. That was set in Michigan. It's so good. But anyway, there's a there's a famous scene where they go to a bar, they sneak into a bar, and the uh, there's a band doing a cover of of eighteen, and it turns out it's one of the teachers from the school. It's really funny. Uh, it's a really nice. funny show. So, so Drew, are you familiar with Nita Strauss, the lead guitar player for who was playing oh, one yeah. of the guitar players, Alice Cooper? She's like a shredder. Oh, she's great. So yeah. you saw recently she left Alice Cooper's band to go play for Demi Lovato. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't which, know that. Which I'm sure makes sense makes sense in dollars and cents, right? Because yeah. so my question for you, I'm going to ask you because because Susie's indisposed at the moment. So you get a call from Alice Cooper's people, and you get a call from Demi Lovato's people, and Demi Lovato wants to bring you out and play hockey rinks or big stadiums, pay you huge money, craft services, the whole thing, or you can go out with Alice, make a nice little payday, play theaters, play for 2,000 people, or you can play for 20,000 people a night playing for De- with Demi Lovato's crowd. Which show do you, which tour do you take? Um, Alice Cooper. The so body I, is no object, right? So I'd have to, I'd actually have to first look at what the music is. If the music sucks, like what, what I'm actually playing on guitar, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be taking the Alice Cooper tour though. So, no, no, I mean, if, I'm sorry. If the Susie Moon Band gets to open be- one of those tours. Oh, if the yeah. Susie Moon... Oh, no, we're doing Alice Cooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so you wouldn't take the money. You wouldn't take the Demi Lovato money. No, but my friend my friend Leanne is now playing bass for Demi Lovato's band. Is that right? Well, I was just... That's what I was, I was saying. I don't know if you could hear when you were walking away. But- I live vicariously through Leanne's success. Okay. Her play to 120,000 people at Rock yeah. and Roll. While I fulfill my own fantasy of becoming friends with Alice Cooper, which is much <laughs> important to me, that would be cool. But I just think, I just think, like playing with Demi Lovato, we're sort of wasting Susie in the, on the, on that audience. Yeah. Whereas, well, but but she's doing more of a rock thing now. I mean, I get it. You're right. You're right. She's a pop star at the end of the day. But she's like all these Disney stars now are going through their punk phase, which is lame. Don't get me wrong. But it's it's a huge. They're playing for huge crowds. You know, let and me they're, they're, you, she's doing rock. Let me, the other thing too is with, with those kind of stadium shows. You're when you're the opening band, you're not playing when the stadium is full. You're yeah, but you're still playing for probably five times more people than you would. Oh be yeah. For a theater for Alice Cooper, you know. Well, and it's I get you do. I I, told, I, I I would say that I would give you the exact same answer, honestly. But, but the fact of the matter is, rock is kind of in a rough place right now, right? It's hard to get in front of a big audience because you guys have, I think, you know, you got the front woman, you got the chops, you got the licks. I think in a different time when rock was big and MTV was big and all that, I don't think there's any question of whether or not you guys would have been big. But how do you do it now? How do you do it in 2022? Well, we watched Pat Benatar behind the music last night, Drew and I. Because <laughs> we're huge Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo fans. Sure. Um, they're they're a rock and roll couple, you know, yep. Yep. together, and it's very inspiring. And there are not a lot of stories like that in rock and roll. Um, sure. But you know, afterwards we were both a little bit testy because watching her very quick ascent. You know, to the top of the charts. Yeah, pretty quick and painless ascent. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, because the industry was different back then. Like she literally yeah. got picked up after singing one night in some club, 
got a manager, you know, the guys from Chrysalis Records signed her, taking a chance on her, you know, and, yeah. you know, and then she was playing to, with selling millions of records. Well, and then the manager hooked her up with the band. Yeah. You know, and there was sort of a whole industry infrastructure do, taking care of a lot of the stuff that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. By yourselves, and, yeah. And getting, getting that you know the the stuff that she recorded and so on out to like a mass audience yeah and like that whole thing is gone now like mm -hmm. it's all gone <laughs> so how does how do you, how does Susie moon get a song on the radio she well, your songs on the new record could sit next to the stuff on rock radio how do you make that leap i'm asking i'm not i'm not even trying to be a wise ass i have no idea honestly at this day and age normal question to ask actually pirates press records has pirate radio they have their own radio marketing crew i get sent radio reports every week mm, okay. we're getting on uh over 30 terrestrial radio was stations. that right oh no kidding that's cool we're on radio which track uh actually a lot of them have been going through it all, all of the songs from the two eps plus dumb and in love and family memories have all found their way oh. uh you know they push the newest tracks but some of the stations have held on to like playing gold record autographs somebody there must really like it you know mm. um but those songs are it's just the difference is, is like there are so many fucking bands and so many fucking songs you yeah. know no shit and, and yeah. somebody because it's yeah. not like you know uh i don't know exactly what the radio landscape looked like in 1981 but there wouldn't be the choice of either listening to that or listening to xm or listening to spotify yeah. or listening yeah, to yeah, absolutely into yeah. youtube Etc. 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 So there's just, you know, there's just this massive abundance of bands, and there's no sort of mechanism anymore yeah. to really kind of like separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, and then, you know, but honestly, like we're just dyed in the wool rock and rollers. Like we're we're just doing this thing. Like if we were, you know, if, if we weren't touring with the Dead Boys, we'd be touring with somebody else. You know, yeah. but but to go back to the Demi Lovato thing just because because i had a thought which is like we wouldn't get offered that spot because she can't rock like susie can rock yeah they would she wouldn't want to follow you i could see that but she would take one look at susie and be like no we can't like i can't follow that you know so it's like it's like we need to be built and we've learned this like through experience like you know a guy like dave vanian has so much charisma and experience and can de deliver such a big show yeah, he's not intimidating. He, he can follow Susie, and it's a different show, and it's a nice compliment. Yeah. But, <laughs> sorry, Demi. You know, you <laughs> have your little, like, fake rock and roll phase, but, like, Susie, like, Susie and her crew is, like, the real deal, you know? And Alice Cooper's like, listen, this this woman's very charismatic, but she can't cut her own head off and carry it around on the stage. <laughs> like, <I> Don't <laughs> tempt me. Yeah. I just have one I question. I love that we're talking. I was watching... Alice Cooper live in 1986 today at the gym. Hmm, interesting. And, and giggling to myself out loud. I probably look like a crazy person watching this so man I, carrying a snake around and I'm just <laughs> yeah. giggling like a schoolgirl. Like, it was a constrictor <laughs> area, yeah. Well, it's funny because I love, I still love his show, but I never thought his solo stuff, when they were a band, they were so good. Like the Alice Cooper band. Like the Susie mm -hmm. Moon, you guys are the Susie Moon band, right? Susie, if you move on, everybody would be like, oh, it's not the same as when I had the original. But, but the original... Alice Cooper band, the five man band, they were so there was a magic in that stuff. And his solo material was a lot more hit or miss, I found. But anyway, that's well, me editorializing. That brings up that brings up an interesting question. Yeah. Susie, would you ever consider change I mean, 
it's not changing the name of the band, but would you ever call it like Susie Moon and the Attractions or something like that instead of just being your name? Well, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is already taken, so there, you go. there isn't a lot of room for growth there. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's basically what it is, right? Like, but without the and the something or other, and I don't know, I just no. <laughs> it's more organic just to go with Susie Moon because Susie Moon and the something it doesn't feel right. We we always say she is Susie Moon, but we are also Susie Moon. As cultish as that it's sounds, just like it's the same thing. If you listen to Alice Cooper do interviews, he refers to Alice as another person. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Yep. like because it is. It's a character. You yep. know, Susie Moon is not just me. It's the band ah. and entity. You know, I'm I'm not that twenty four seven. You know, that's not healthy. Like <laughs> 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 I. I reserve that shit for the stage. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a performance. It's a show. It's someplace where I chant, sure. you know, and we're all a part of this little universe. Um, but it can't exist without the band, and I, I wouldn't want it to, you know. Um, they've made me better. But I think it's al- it already is what it needs to be. You know, we're just still fine-tuning little things here and there. And I think, I think the other... Because we talked about this, like when me and Susie were still living in California before we sort of realized what this was going to turn into, but, but she, we talked about like her doing a solo career thing and actually Pat Benatar was one of the things we talked about where even though she collaborated with, with, you know, her band that was her band and they had a large part in it. Um, like Susie, like Susie's the star, like Susie has a charisma and has a star power and you guys know this, but it's, it's very rare. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I'm perfectly content, and I think everybody else in the band is is really happy to like support that. You know what I mean, and to just allow to us to do the things that Susie needs to like really shine, because that's like when you know people have an easier time connecting with a person and artist. And Susie Moon, whether it's Susie Moon or Taylor Swift or Beyonce or Demi Lovato or Alice Cooper, you know, it's easier to connect with the, a personality like that than it is to connect with something a band which is like a bit more abstract well it's an interesting thing though because what I, the reason i asked the question was because i was listening to elvis costello today and, oh, yeah. and so the first elvis costello album was elvis costello and yeah. then he got elvis costello and the attractions and the next three albums or four albums were elvis costello and the attractions so mm-hmm. it was even though it was still him he did have a permanent band behind him that i assume took some of the songwriting chops and stuff so that's why I asked the question. Yeah, no, um, and you know, Pat Benatar had a band behind her the whole time, and they appeared in the music videos, they appeared in the photos, you know. But honestly, I don't know, boys. Do you really, do you really want all that pressure and all that attention? <laughs> oh. I'm taking this on so they don't have to. He, Drew wants to be in Seventeen magazine. Come on, <laughs> is that is that still even a thing? I don't even know if that's still even a thing. But. The cover guitar magazine would be cool, but I'm not banking on it. No, we call ourselves we call ourselves the Wrecking Crew, sort of behind closed doors. Like me, Patty, and Sean or Neil, you know, her band. We're the Wrecking Crew, and we're and we're happy to we're happy to just do our thing, you know. Is that is that going back to like the Susie Homewrecker days? Is that where you got that from? Oh uh, no, no. Uh, actually, the Wrecking Crew was the name of the, the studio musicians. Oh, oh yeah, they played the solo all the solo albums. The, is it Detroit yeah, or was it Philly? L.A. during the '60s. So oh, L.A. Okay. 
for instance, with Tommy Tedesco, who's a, a session guy who nobody's ever heard of outside of like nerds. And, um, you know, but him and Hal Blaine and, and a couple, and uh, Carol okay. Kay, Carol Clay, you know, played on all the Beach Boys stuff. So we've totally just wiped the name. Uh, I was the Funk Brothers. That's the one in Detroit, right? You know, that was yeah, the one who did all the Motown records. Motown guys, yeah. 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 Um, you know, it just works. And um, what, you guys have also been called the Moon Gang. Yeah. Pat kind of came up with the Moon oh, Gang. That's all right, yeah. <laughs> you know? The Moonies, uh, yeah. yeah sure. full moon. I, Moonies. I, I, I <laughs> And a band called Susie and the Husbands. I thought that would be pretty funny. But, uh, you know... I find it less funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, the idea, it was really a That's joke. That's German like, humor for you. Was that each each band member would, like, um, look like a certain type of husband stereotype. Oh. Like, there'd be... Did we lose Susie? We did lose Susie. Holy oh. shit. Yeah. She was mid-conversation, too. Hey, your time to shine, Patty. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come on, Patty. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So let's, what are we going to talk about, boys? Let's see. If I'll we, tell you what. Why don't we play a song while we try to figure this out? What song did you pick, Patty? Did we play your song yet? No, we didn't. Uh, no. It's perfect. It's perfect timing. Uh, it's actually, I, I believe I picked. Hell, I hell, oh, there we go. Okay. But We're letting yeah. Patty play a song. We're letting him shine since you guys abandoned us. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I picked uh, the helicopters. Hopeless case of a kid in denial because nice. easily one of my favorite bands of all time. Tell and us a little were... bit. Of, tell us a little bit about the helicopters for those that might not be aware oh, of the Swedish, Swedish supergroup. They're just like a. If you think of like trucker hat, leather jacket, action rock, helicopters are the archetypal band, mm. and um, they're just. They're just one of the most incredible bands that I've ever gotten the pleasure of discovering. Uh, they don't have any bad albums, you know. Uh, their guitar player Dregan was in Backyard uh, Babies. Backyard Babies, yeah. yeah. And again, there's some. There's got to be something either in the water or the the soil in Sweden, because just the amount of amazing rock and roll bands that have come out of the pipe from there. You're like, what? What are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> Other than well, granting well, government grants to the band so they can spend time well, getting well, good, but, yeah. and it's well, it seems like Dregan is on, in almost all of them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a common thread. If, I'm not like a starstruck getting guy, but if I ever met Dregan, I would probably act like a like a giddy little girl. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. All right, well let's uh, let's listen to it then. This is the Helicopters with "Hopeless Case of a Kid in Denial."
All right, the helicopter's there with uh, yeah, hopeless case of a kid in denial. There you go. So that's excellent. All right, so where were we? So you were in Edinburgh the last time we the last time we visited your European tour. So from Edinburgh, where else did you play in the UK? Uh, the last show was Blackpool. Oh, you we went straight from Edinburgh right down to Blackpool for Rebellion. Pre-show. Oh, we did a pre-show in Blackpool before Rebellion. That actually, I had a better show at the pre-show. It's just it's different when you're in a tightly packed room, right? Yeah. Mm. There's just an energy that kind of just, um, and not. I mean, we had a really great crowd at Rebellion. It's a much bigger room, and to see it fill up is a great thing. But there's just something about those tightly packed pub shows. Yeah. Um, where just the energy is just dripping off the ceiling, you know, and everyone's breathing it. Um, so we had a wild fucking show. And just a great time at Rebellion, as we always do. Um, but after that, just flew home. Uh, Drew proposed when we were in London before we flew out back to the U.S. Congratulations. Congratulations. That was cool. I was very impressed. I managed to hold on to a precious ring an entire European tour. <laughs> He stole, it. he stole it from Edinburgh. That's why yes, you guys were being haunted. Uh, that's why. <laughs> yeah, I guess Patty held the ring for some amount of time as well and was tasked with... Um, yeah, we, me and Susie were sharing a bag and I thought I'd be able to carry it around that whole tour without her finding it. And I realized in the airport in New York that that was not going to be the case. So my man Patty was good enough to hold on to it for, for the tour until we were leaving. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. No, that's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. And then uh, we're heading out. We're doing three shows with our buds, Teenage Bottle Rocket, in a couple days. We love those guys. So that'll be cool. And that'll be kind of like our warm-up before we do the Yeah. Did you already do the damn shows? Did we miss those? Yeah, we did them. Oh, you did them. Okay. How was it? They were fucking amazing. The damn are amazing, aren't they? For a bunch of oh. geezers. They're amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Wow. That was a yeah. great. Definitely a highlight of my career. Yeah. Like my entire career highlight mm-hmm. yeah just, uh, just to get to hang out with dave and just talk and you know uh i i could play in front of crowds like that any old day but knowing that he was on the side of the stage watching us i've never been more fucking nervous in my life yeah uh shaking in my sparkly boots because <laughs> you just want to do a good job for the people that inspired you you know uh it means so much as an artist to be in like on a level right with the the greats and that was our chance to show them you know like hey we're doing it too and it's because of you and we love you and i hope we make you proud i don't know too much well well, talking about that so who else did you did you manage to see anybody else at rebellion or were you straight in and straight out patty was there the whole time drew and i had to take off we were only there for the one day okay so, Patty, who did you see over there? Did you? Uh, um, who stood I actually out? caught. I actually ended up walking into like the the main room indoors when right when the Bouncing Souls started. Okay. And they're one of my favorite punk rock bands. And Pretty it was just, guys always stick together, man. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, I mean, what are you gonna do? You know, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, it was it was just because I had no idea who was there. Because, like I said, I'm probably one of the most aloof and out-of-touch people you're going to meet. <laughs> so I didn't even look at the program. What? I just like to be... I, I just, you can't know, believe that for a if second. I'm, if I'm meant to be in the room watching the band, it'll happen. 
you know, so I happened to walk in during the Bouncing Souls, and it was really good. Uh, it was amazing. Um, I saw a couple other bands, but honestly, by the time I scoped out a few other bands here and there, I was just, it was the end of a month-long tour in Europe, so I just kind of hung out at the hotel and watched Mr. Bean quite a bit. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. You, you heard it here first. Rebellion yep. second, Mr. Bean first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Mr. Bean, you know, who, by the way, is an alien. I don't care what anyone says. He's an alien. But yeah, Rebellion was actually it was really fun. Just to be able to like, walk around Blackpool and like get that kind of just sense of you know see, being at such a... See, being, uh, being, being English, this cracks me up. Because Blackpool, for most English people, Blackpool is the last place in the country that you would ever want to go to. So it reminds me a lot of like the seedier parts of Philly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, something like you know. that. Yeah, mm. maybe a little less teeth, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> What's that, Thomas? Sounds like you were going to ask a question. No, no, I just I said Blackpool's like the Flint, Michigan of England, right? Pretty much. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a sad and dreary, dreary place, but it's it's really interesting to see all those colorful punks just fucking. Old old punks too. Make yeah. us look like whippersnappers. Oh yeah, yeah. My personal favorite is seeing the really old punk couples walking around. Yeah, you know. I'll and show you a picture from when they met in 1978 and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And catch up with you know fans that have been with me since the Civet days because Civet toured in Europe and the UK <laughs> a bunch. You know, and I've got people who have literally been supporting me this entire time so to get to see them like once a year or every other year or whatever it's like really nice to give them a hug and say thanks that's cool yeah can't go wrong with that so how mm-hmm. was the uh, how were the flights and stuff were the flights full because i've heard different things about the flights going to europe these days oh i counted that we took um i think just to between between the u.s and blackpool we took or, and maybe getting back we took a total of uh eight flights trains and buses or something like that like <coughs> not to mention public transportation in the cities that we were in mm-hmm. we were on oversold trains in france i've never seen so many people packed into a train in my entire fucking life and every flight we were on was full too i mean we were fucking out there with thousands and thousands of people um, it just basically seemed like if this is a COVID question, which it kind of seems like it is, like no one's really losing sleep over it over in Europe no, or the UK. Good. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was the I've seen that the airlines are severely understaffed, so like baggage and shit is getting lost and that kind of crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, like we said, Neil's uh, yeah. stuff was five days. You know, we did manage to recover it, and the morning that Drew and I had to fly out of London. Oh my god, I've never seen baggage lines that long in my entire fucking life. And that was like 5 a.m. It was. It was so early. I've never seen such a packed airport so early. And they actually, they like shut, they they did something at Heath, we weren't at Heathrow, we were at... Stansted. We were oh, Stansted, right, yeah, Stansted. But they had actually done something at Heathrow that day because like they were so packed that they had to like cut off flights or something like that. So yeah, flying is flying is not fun these days. Yeah, and because Drew and I had to get back to the U.S. pretty quickly, the way I booked our flights were like we had like three different flights to get back to the U.S. Like London, 
to fucking like Denmark and then Denmark to Finland and then Finland to New York. Good and Lord. And flight, we had to go through security, yeah. go through port control, recheck our bags. And every sing- in between every single thing, we were racing against the clock to get to our next flight. Like That's so stressful. Stress. Yeah. And then we took a romantic... 10 hour bus ride home from <laughs> JFK to DC. So that was that was nice. Nothing like a Greyhound uh, bus ride to top off a tour. Yeah, I haven't been on a Greyhound for 40 years. How to treat my girl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good man. Yes, start married life off like the way you mean to go on. That's great. Um, it is interesting because you mentioned COVID. The last time we talked, well, no, Susie, we talked to you. When did we talk to you? We talked to you. Uh, it, it was, was like two weeks peak? after the first EP came out. Peak COVID. Okay. Uh, yeah, peak like early June or something. Yeah, I was actually. Yeah, it came out May, and we talked to you in like June. Yeah. So it had just been out for like two weeks, I think. Yeah, and shows hadn't really started yet. Right. But those weren't actually happening yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, fuck. Seems like people are just ready to be out, you know, or have been ready. They're out. They're out there uh, <laughs> at the festivals, at the clubs, you know, traveling. We didn't really deal with anything anywhere we went. Even as far as, like, um, any sort of check checking of things, like going through control, passport control and all that stuff. Like, nope, pretty much all that stuff just kind of went away, I guess. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So has your okay? So it's been a little over a year since we talked to you last. Has everything yeah. gone according to plan? Better than expected. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Now, say you had a plan to roll out your records, and you kind of were hesitant to give us the. It was sort of sort of a secret, and now we have all we have the LP, but it did it did go the way you wanted it to go. Yeah, everything's been really really amazing. Totally better than I ever could have imagined. I uh, wasn't sure how people were gonna receive this project and i did not think we'd be fucking where we are a year into it you know we've done some really incredible stuff for being a band for one year yeah. you know mm, um, yeah so think about it like that especially this next year who the fuck knows i'm i'm ready for some surprises what's the beauty of pirate of being on a label like pirates press too because it just seems like they really have their shit together Oh yeah, they're yeah. They're actually, have the vinyl great. and all that. Yeah, I mean, the vinyl came out exactly when it was supposed to. It's not six months late, or some yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're the coolest, and just easy to communicate with. You know, like we talk multiple times a week. You know, it's just it's, it's they never leave me hanging, and they do that for all their bands. You know, they're just super attentive. They love what they do. You know, and I'm really proud to be on that label, and they should be proud to be that label because they're totally mm-hmm. set a fucking standard. For other independent punk rock labels right now and i think i think they're having a really good moment right now too so i'm really happy to be a part of that yeah no doubt so to- all right neil i listen dude i've totally blown it with the song insertion i think that last segment was like a half hour long so no 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 we just played one we played helicopters remember when patty just played it so we're good we're good we just got one more sure. song to do yeah we well, we just have one more okay. yeah we just got no one more you song know what we're gonna stick one we're gonna stick one more Susie moon song at the end okay <gasps> i'm gonna call i'm gonna make 
want to call an audible. That's fine. But no, no, I'll tell you what. If you don't want to take a break yet, I got a question. Or go ahead, Neil. If you're if you're in the middle of something, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was going to talk about the album a little bit, the album art and stuff. But if you've got something else to talk about, Tom, you go for it. Well, you know what I want to know about Neil, and she might not she might not be willing to tell us because they have this other secretive song that they won't tell us what they've done with. I, th- I think I know what's going on with that actually. Uh, well, what about I think the I have Billy, an inkling. What about the Billy Hopeless songs? Oh, is that not public? I think you just blew it. No, oh, that's, blo- I'm that's sorry. Not oh, okay. I have so many secrets, you guys. <laughs> that ain't one of them, huh? And that's not one of them. Susie and the Secrets. There you go. There's the band name. Right there. There you go. You can that's use it. That's not bad. <laughs> we have to pay you for that. Yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, I am doing a split seven inch with Billy Hopeless from the Black Halos. Yeah, who that's- we had on the show. Ooh. Yes, okay. we had. Oh, yeah, you should get him on the show. No, we've had him. Oh, you had him on the show. Yeah, well, we did. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that fuck, his vocal, man. Yeah. Um, you know what? voice. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Wow. It's like nails on a chalkboard in the best fucking way. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, it, there's, it is the most punk rock, really. Um, but I've been a fan of Black Halo since I was 16. And, like, you know, my buddy in high school gave me a fucking burned CD, their self-titled record. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the band that... Yeah is doing everything I love, like, I felt it, you know, all through my body. Um, so to be able to write a song for him to sing on, huge compliment, you know, it's, just, it's really nice to get to work with people that you admire, and the Seven Inches coming out, we're, we're looking at Valentine's Day, 2023, um, I think it's in production right now through Yeah Right Records, which is a small indie that, um, Billy's friends with. Uh, I met them, I think, at the Detroit show from the American Wasteland tour. Um, I did the cover artwork and the layout and all that stuff and the the back cover um, since I've gotten really good at Photoshop in the last year doing my <laughs> art, all that stuff. Um, so Billy wrote a song, recorded it with his guys, and then sent me the track, and I sang on that. And then I wrote a song, and... Drew and I and Sean went and recorded it and did what we did and sent that out to Billy for him to lay down the vocals on. And, you know, um, I love the song that I wrote so much. I cannot wait for people to hear it. I love his song, too. It's just uh, there's something about, for me, I took another direction, right? I, I keep trying to do this to people is throw them another fucking curveball. Like you didn't know Susie Moon had that fucking going on right um and billy's vocal was absolutely the right vocal to duet with on this particular track so i'm really really proud of it and yeah i mean we both wrote our little songs and helped each other out and it's a cool project so that's something to look forward to in the next couple months i don't know when we're going to drop the songs and like get them out there for any kind of streaming or radio or whatever but um man i can't wait to share it Cool. So that's not the secret, though. There's another secret yeah. song. Mm. I see. I see. Patty's a fellow crazy cat lady like yourself, Neil. <laughs> I see him playing with a cat over there. Yeah, my my cat, Mama Maple, just came in for a little visit. I have currently. I'm at six. We're, six cats. Yeah, we're oh, just we're, we're discussing a seventh right now. Do they keep the evil spirits away? Holy <laughs> I think. They are well, the evil I mean, <laughs> I sleep pretty soundly at night, so I, I think they're doing a pretty huh, good job. Interesting. I know I'll never have like rats or mice. Or Neil's anything. a piker. He's only got like three, I think. Yeah, I've only got three. Oh, yeah. Bro, you gotta up that. You gotta once, up that one, cat count. One's hairless, though. One's a sphinx, and she's freaking Ooh. amazing looking. Yeah. 
Did you put her in little sweaters? Uh, we do, actually. Yeah, we got little dragon wings <laughs> oh, for her. Oh, come on. Yeah, we do. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> little, little Ramones t-shirt. Dude, she comes to the pub. Dude, she comes to the pub with us. Oh, my God. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, she does. She's amazing. Um, okay, getting back to the album, though. The album artwork. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the album, because the front cover is beautiful. So tell us a little bit about the uh, about the front cover. Well, that's what I was going for, right? Like, the softer side yep. of Supermoon. Um, because with Call the Shots... Fuck, I didn't know if that was my one and only chance to get people to stop and look at me. So I pulled out all the stops, right? Um, to really just put something very striking out there and confident out there. And I love that cover. With Animal, I was toying around a little bit more with like the character thing, kind of like a thriller kind of vibe. And it, it suited the song, too. And that song was so obviously like the fucking title track, right? But with Dumbin' in Love, um, well, really, I was inspired. I, I follow a couple different, like, old Hollywood sort of Instagram pages because I like to look at that stuff. And old Hollywood and glamour, is, it's such an important part of what I do and my presentation for the stage. I, you know, that's, that will always be inspiring to me. And I'm trying to bring a little bit of, like, class but make it, like, Steve Bader's baloney, like, you know, trying to <laughs> find my own personal balance between these things. And so I found this photo of Sylvia Sidney, and actually Drew and I watched the Hitchcock movie she was in just two nights ago. It's called Sabotage. And she, she was an actress her entire life. And I found this photo of her, like, peering into a mirror, and it's this very soft old Hollywood glamour shot, and I was like, that is what I want to recreate for Dumb and in Love. Um, and so, because, you know, we're, we're still very much a DIY band, um, and it's expensive to do photo shoots, it's expensive to pay somebody to do your album artwork, um, all of that shit. And I, I have a photography background, and my brother is a fantastic photographer. Um, granted, he hadn't done portraits as much, but I was confident in his ability to do it, and us do it as a team. You know, basically, if I'm helping direct the shot and bringing it in he's behind the camera and he he knows how to get the settings right so the colors look the way we want you know so we just rented a photo studio in northern virginia and took my mirror off the wall i had bought this outfit that you know just felt right uh picked up some flowers from the grocery store went down there with uh a couple of colored lights i have and then the rented lights from the studio and we spent a few hours just getting it right you know and then i took the photos back dropped that shit in photoshop sat with it for about a month just fucking around with different things you know um but that is like a totally in-house album cover and that makes it even more special to me because um you know i put my touch on it really with um the layout and everything and all that stuff um i didn't really have as much maybe as a, str a strong sort of vision as far as with animal I was like the animal thing and call the shots the Betty Page Steve Bader's thing this was just like I just kind of want to show myself looking pretty because I, I look pretty tough out there a lot of the time you know but like there is a softer side to me and this album has a bit more of a diary kind of feel where I'm, I'm putting a lot more out there that's emotional and I'm in the feels a little bit more, you know, so I just wanted it to reflect that. And I guess I'm kind of reflecting that myself in the mirror, like 
like true true Susie, you know. Um, and I will let you guys know I didn't have to Photoshop myself very much. <laughs> That's the beauty of being young. <laughs> that was a personal highlight. Okay, for me it was being like, damn, my skin looks good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> do stuff like that, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And you can just go back to the drawing board, you know. Like I didn't have to keep calling someone. Hey, can you move that like a quarter of a centimeter to the left? You know, it's like I could fuck with that as much as I wanted to. Sure. At all hours. You know, for as long as I wanted to, to get it exactly the way I wanted it. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, let's play... Well, you, you're going to add a song, Tom, so let's yes. play the last song that they picked. Um, okay. And Susie, I assume this is one of yours, the, the Bowie song, or did you all agree it, on this one? So why why, why Gene Genie? Oh, because it's great. So why Gene Genie? Patty's face. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it could have been. It could have been like. It could have been any one of like twenty songs, right? I mean, yeah, no, totally. But this one, this one is very rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's sexy. Like you feel like you're right there, and he's kind of like talking to you, like in your ear or something. Like there's something very um, intimate about his performance on this song, and um, I've toyed with the idea of possibly covering it at some point. You know, if we ever. We got so many so many original songs. It's hard to ever fit in a cover, you know, and really make make cuts basically to the set and switch things around and make that work. But uh, it's it's one of my very favorite David Bowie songs, and I'm stoked on this Moon Age Daydream documentary that we're going to see tomorrow. And you know, Bowie forever. He's just an endless inspiration to rockers and weirdos all around the world. Okay, Gene Genie, David Bowie. Small Jean Genie snuck off to the city Strung out on lasers and slashback blazers And ate all your razors while pulling the waders Talking about Monroe and walking on Snow White New York's a go-go and everything tastes like Poor little greenie Keeps all your dead hair for making up underwear Poor little greenie Mind 
There you go. Gene Genie, David Bowie there. Um, did, did you, talking about movies, did you see the Elvis movie? We did. What did you think of it? I started out not liking it so much. And then as it went on, I was like, yep, you got me. Yep. I thought exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Zoo, did you see it, Patty? I, I didn't see it, but hour felt like it was a trailer. Yeah. Like it was so stylized and so many of the fast cuts and all that stuff. It was like I was not feeling it at all. Um and the other thing is that I love Elvis, but I love like Sun Sessions Elvis. Yes. You know, like real early rock and roll Elvis and I thought that, you know, if they had made just a, a bit of a, a grittier more pared down telling of it I personally would have liked it more um, so that's my take on it that said it was it was cool learning the story I didn't know that much about um, you know how Colonel Parker had, yeah Colonel had, Tom yeah, yeah screwed him over yeah I mean it's funny was it the I, same guy that did The Dirt was it the same director no it's Bad oh. did Moulin Rouge okay everything you need to know about the Elvis movie because it's very much a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. Like, mm. that that works, but I think it's because it's an original story, but when you put that stuff onto, a, like, a biography, you know, mm. like, and you can, and it's a little much, you know, when I think what Drew was saying was, like, you kind of just want the story kind of told straight, you know? And it, it, I love Walk the Line. Like, I thought if it... If it had been a little bit more like walk the line i personally would have would have liked it more that being but, said when he became fat elvis i was fucking there for it i was like now i'm buying this like <laughs> he he was fat elvis and it was good like the performance is actually really really great you know i thought he did a really good job all that stylized stuff i don't know if it was totally right for the story of elvis but now we got that movie. So. Well, see, I, th- I thought, personally, um, I kind of agree with Drew. I mean, I love the early stuff, the Sun Sessions and all that. Um, and I didn't, think, I didn't think that came across particularly well. The part of mm-hmm. Elvis I never particularly cared for was, like, from the 68 comeback special on uh, to, to the fat Elvis bit. But actually, in this movie, I actually loved it. I, I yeah. thought this was the best part of the movie. I thought the last hour was the best yeah. part of the movie. It kind of turned from the 68 special... Yeah. and it got a bit better. Yeah, it did. But that is actually my favorite Elvis era. Oh, interesting. And I, I loved seeing, and I, it's hard actually to watch. It you was know, hard, yeah. The amount of fucking love and sweat and, God, how much he put into those shows night yeah. after night after night, even when he was struggling, even when he was super unhealthy, you know, but he just, lo- he had to do it, you know, and like, that Elvis, that fucking like diehard workhorse Elvis, like I have so much respect for that. Yeah. What a shame, though. Yeah. Well, he's only forty-four yeah. years old for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, younger died. Jesus, it's insane. Okay. Yeah. We have covered a lot. We've covered a lot of ground tonight, Neil. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask him, actually, I'm sorry, going Especially back to the album. Especially for a band that just put out a new album. Yeah. yeah. Well, going, going back to the going back to the album. This surprised me, Tom. You got the album. Um, which color did yep. you get? I black. You got black. Okay, I got the pink and black splatter, which was like the limited one, and I was very surprised when I put it up. Susie said that she hates that one. That really surprised <laughs> me, because it's you know it's it's cool looking. She does hate it. She shouldn't have said that, but she does hate it. <laughs> Look, I don't want that to negatively reflect on anybody else or their personal no, of choice. Of course not. Of course not. But to, per- 
purchase that, you know, I don't want to guilt anybody and make them feel bad for buying it. <laughs> you know, uh, that everybody get this free to make their own choices in life. <laughs> what are you playing? The pink one? You playing the pink one at the house? What are you playing? He's got the pink and black splatter. He does. Oh, that's what, I'm saying. what are you? What are you listening to? Or are you not, just not oh, even listening hot, to your own? The record? hot pink, the hot pink opaque was my vision, okay. and right. the that I packaged the record. For me, I, I get queasy when I look at pink and black in that like way together. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, like it's like it's very garish. That's very fifties, you though. You got like, that's very fifties. Like too much, you know. Um, I, I've seen splatter done beautifully in other colors <laughs> but um that's why on the cover it's like there's a bit of pink and then mostly black it's because i think too much pink and black is really fucking ugly you know um, all right stop now <laughs> Pir- so, pirates press are on the phone <laughs> no they know okay and that's okay i can feel that way of course you can okay? of course you can it's like it's like when people feel a certain way when they look at polka dots like, I can't explain it, yeah. you know, but I hate polka dots. You know, it's something about the small color next to the other small color. Like, it just, it does something to my s- stomach. The reason, I, the reason I asked is because I just always assumed that the artist would get to choose what color of violet they oh, put I out. I that. Oh, okay. I approved 100%. They showed it to me and asked if I wanted to do it, and I said yes. Oh, Okay. So it looked better in the it looked better on the drawing board than you feel like it looks like on the record. It looks great for certain people. The point <laughs> that very diplomatic. I'm confused. I am not the consumer, right? I'm not the consumer. I already did. I put my print on every single fucking thing. I touched every bit of that record. But people love splatter. Let the people have the splatter. You know, that's when yep. it's it, you have to make choices that are outside of you I, and look, Neil, Neil loves the splatter well, I love loves the splatter I want to get the rarest one I'm sure. well I see that's what that's what it is right it's if it wouldn't have matter what you could have made it leopard skin and if it was limited to 200 and made it first that's the one people would want because yeah. that's the you know yeah and the pink and black were just the obvious choices because they go with the you know with the color scheme of the record and I've seen photos of it in people's homes where I'm like Okay, you know that's cute. You know, it's I just could totally. I can totally see you rocking a leopard skin record. I mean, I think that might not be a bad idea for the next time we're out. Yes, maybe. Yeah, cool. yeah. I already have an idea for the next record. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Drew. Yes. Tell us a little bit about when you see him live. Susie goes off for a second, and Drew and the Patty and the whole band. They go into yep. you. Ghost Riders in the sky, don't you? You do a bit of an instrumental thing going on there. Well, so Ghost Riders in the sky is actually something we rigged up, and it's my it's my um, I, if there, I, if there's a technical issue where Susie's guitar gets out, um, then at least it fills space. At least we're not all standing there in silence. Oh, that's what and, it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, what it's turned into though is it's been my signal to tell Susie to tune her guitar. Yeah. I'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she needs to tune her guitar, and so we'll end a song, and then I'll just start playing that lick, and, and it's Susie's. And then I know. Then she knows she needs to tune her guitar. But we do have an instrumental, an actual instrumental track where I go off stage and do a costume change, and that's an original tune. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a song that I did with my last band. Um, it's uh, "Get the Hell Off the Beach" is what it's what it's called, and uh, just a, just a surf like a really up tempo surf track. 
Yeah, I was digging that, and I think it works really well in the middle of the set too, as a breakup between all the you know all the all the other songs that are going on. It's, That's great. It's good contrast. Yep. I definitely. Yeah, I, I I always feel happy when CZ comes back on stage because I love playing guitar, but I don't always love the spotlight as much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's it's a great little contrast in the set, and I get to I get to shred a little bit, so it's fun. It's one of my favorite moments in the set too because I get to hear them, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like outside of it and like hearing them fucking rock out together, and I get like really amped to do the second half of the set, and I'm like, fuck yeah, they're fucking killing it. Yeah, because you f- you forget how good they are as a band. Yeah. Well, you, d- I'm up there with yeah, them. Yeah, of so course. Yeah. You know, it's like I, it's like I'm experiencing the band in a sense. You yeah, know, yeah. and um, I'm I'm really proud of them because they yeah. fucking. Kill all right. Well, I think, man, have we exhausted these funny. guys? Was, what's that? Have we exhausted these guys now? I, they've been very good sports because the three of them have been sitting here for like two hours now with us. I, I we appreciate that. I was really, I really wanted to grill Susie about the lyrics on a certain song because oh I've been speculating about who she was talking about in oh. "Believe in Love," which is kind of like a counterpart to the title track. Oh, you I can- feel. I'm sorry. Say, go on, sorry. So, what's this? You can tell me. I'm marrying him. He knows everything. No, no, I know. Well, and, and I believe <laughs> the boy on Fremont Street is sitting next to you right now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. But it's just funny because there's there's a line about the uh, the guy with the diamond ring who taught you how the angels sing. I'm like, oh, she was in love with Mike Ness. Susie was totally in love with Mike Ness. <laughs> no, no, you're not far off, but you are off. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, actually, Wait, that's, that's, that's story of my life. You're not far off, but you're off the story of your okay. life. <laughs> but I was, I was, I dated somebody for like seven years. It was like my first relationship, you know, like sixteen to twenty something, and um, he was in love with Mike Ness. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm real well, love. Come on, you're not far off, but you're off. Well, okay? and then there's that, and there's like the line about the teenage heart. I'm like, oh no, she was in love with the singer from Cox Bar. <laughs> like, no, no, that was about me being an asshole when I was a teenager. Ah, gotcha. The middle verse, the married guys, yeah, I'm all, it was that, is that Milo from The Descendants? No, that's the guy from the Dumb and in Love song. Okay. Yeah, so see, the record tells a fucking whole story. So those right? songs are connected. I kind of felt like those are like songs were a counterpart, you know? They are, they are, and that's the whole thing. It's like, that's why one starts the record and one ends the, the record, right? Because I go from being like in this place where it's like, okay, things are kind of shitty, but like, here I am, falling again, oh god, okay, and then, you know, th- there's the family stuff, there's I Go Blind, which actually isn't an autobiograph- uh, autobiographical song, that's a song I wrote inspired by a friend, but it still fits a story, basically, you know, um, of being, like, very lost, and very, like, I would literally do anything, I would go blind for this person, right, um, and then things start to shift in Honey, um, which has a lot to do with Drew, as well as any other way, is about meeting Drew. Like, um, you know, um, don't know how you found me, baby. It's insane, but I just can't have it any other way. You know, and that's kind of when things shifted, right? And uh, it looks like a concept album. Kind of, but that's obnoxious, right? Yeah, it's like the wall. It's like it's like Dark Side of the Moon or something. Weird. Okay, and then Believe in Love is basically just saying like every relationship you've ever had led you, you know, to the next one, to the next thing, to the next moment, and, like, love, you have to go through the first relationship, the second one, you know, you have to go through these things to get to where you are today, and at the end, when I'm talking about Drew, 
if you notice the last line is he is why I believe in love you know so it changes from this is why to he is why you know and <laughs> you know Lovely. and I take credit for that line because my best friend Marcy that I've been best friends with since I was 12 years old she loves Drew by the way she's awesome hi Marcy yeah we love you Marcy um, <laughs> when I was reading her the lyrics for the song she was like that last verse about Drew she was like you should put he is why I believe in love I was like oh my god Mars that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my entire life that is exactly what I'm gonna do because it really ties it up all together you know like I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with Drew but I had to go through lots of years of rock and roll and touring and crappy relationships and then learning to like just love myself you know and then rock and roll led me to Drew and so that's why like it ties it all up in a nice little bow, you know? And then, like, and then I don't have to sing about love <laughs> anymore, <laughs> you know? Ooh, interesting. What's the, ne- the topic of the next album is going to be? Uh, it's like it's going to be the anti-gerrymandering record. <laughs> reach out. Well, the, my favorite line in the record is actually from yeah. the song Money, which is, I had a job and it made me want to die. I'm like, you know, if, if you can't, if everybody can relate to that line, right? Thank oh, you. Yeah. But the, I, but, Funny. I love that song. Like, um, that is one of my favorite songs to play live. We have a lot of fun playing that. It's got one. a groove. It's definitely got a groove to it, right? So, very the, Turner inspired. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very much like a proud Mary vibe. Yeah. So it's funny because you said you ended the album with that "Believe in Love," but you actually didn't. You actually ended the album with something that sort of feels like a country song. Was it a little bit of a leap of faith on that one, or what? Uh, no, that was definitely like a decision. I see the record as actually ending with Believe in Love. Um, and Freedom is basically like a lullaby to like hmm. calm you down before it all kicks in again if you decide to turn the record over one more time. It's like a palate cleanser, hmm. you know? And it also opens me up to doing anything I want on the next record. I'm not ending on a fucking Ramon sounding song. I'm not ending on something that people are going to compare to Iggy. I'm ending on something that's totally wild card and out of left field, you know, and it's it's quieter, it's it's soothing and it's hopeful too. You know, and it just talks about freedom. I'm like I have the freedom to make any record I fucking want to after this, you know, but actually Freedom is the oldest song on that record. That song is a good 7 close to eight years old the first song that i wrote when i picked up my guitar for the first time after not playing music for two years after civet and i got my my own apartment this was after i left the boy with the diamond ring and was in love with mike ness um my own apartment it was a studio apartment in koreatown i had my guitar and myself and that was it and i was like holy shit i want to write music again you know and freedom was the first song that i wrote when I was like, I'm doing this, you know, and I'm the kind of person that will rewrite lyrics. Like, I have a notebook full of lyrics for just one song. It's just like, I rewrite, edit, rewrite. I'm trying to make it as simple, but straightforward as possible. And freedom just came out that way. And I never felt like I needed to change anything about it, you know, but it didn't sound right with Turbulent Hearts. And we, we just couldn't get the feel of it. But I knew I wanted to record that song because it is a part of my story. It's a part of who I am, and it's a song that really expresses a part of me. You know, like I can I can do that too if I wanted to. You know, and it's something that I organically wrote a long time ago when I was in a very vulnerable kind of fresh state. And there's an optimism to it, but also kind of like you don't want to get stuck in one spot for too long, kind of thing. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, it's almost like the secret track, but not, but it is to me, you know? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it is a nice little, uh, diff- it's definitely different. You, I, I was, there's some definitely a couple of sonic diversions on this record, you know, where you kind of go off on of a little bit of a tangent where you maybe couldn't go on your shorter EPs. But overall, I gotta say, 10 songs, great listen, very satisfying you know and that yeah, is a satisfying finish that's nice so, to hear you know i'll tell you what neil i, I tell you we, we probably had them long enough i won't cut you off if you've got one more question but i probably could let them go and we're going to see them in three weeks about a month yeah a little less than a month a month from okay. a month from yesterday we will be seeing you and a matter of fact our our mutual friend from goldmine has an event plan it's yep. really your event we might just be lurkers at it but oh. nevertheless we, yeah, we'll come we will be spending some quality time together i think before yes. the show so yeah yeah we're gonna go record shopping yeah we'll be judging your your purchases exactly sure. tell you no <laughs> that we're going for shopping on the magazine's dime Okay. 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 How many? How many copies of every Thin Lizzy album they had in the store? <laughs> like you're hitting the five dollar bin, my friend. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Enough out of you. But oh, I'll tell you what, cool. we will. We will but yeah, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. We're looking forward to yeah. the show. It's going to be an amazing bill. Honestly, I, I haven't been. There hasn't been a lot of great local shows, but there's been some really good, like stacked up bills. So I'm, I'm really excited oh. to. Make the drive off of this well, one. Well, we so. can't wait to see you guys, and we appreciate you making yeah, it's gonna the be awesome. See us and hang out. No, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good time. And uh, yeah, it was, and especially Patty, that last hour you kind of got shut out. We appreciate you hanging in there, man. Oh, yeah, that's. I'm I'm known to just talk when it's, I, you know, it's fine. It's, it's <laughs> he's a, it's he's a, a bass player, but you got that. I'm the bass. That wild story the out there about the I mean, ghosts. Yeah, that was uh, that that ghost watched, story is crazy. Susie, I was talking to the ghost. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then Drew got his chance to shine. But no, it was all good. We really we really appreciate you guys coming on. You know, I uh, I feel like uh, we're happy to hitch our ship to your star because I think you're you guys. Oh. I really I really think you guys have as good a chance as anybody we've seen in recent years to sort of take it to the next level. If the, like you. I said, rock and roll is kind of in a, a tough time right now. And uh, but hopefully that'll change. Hopefully the kids start to get it again, right? Get get rock and roll. Get back into rock and hey, roll. Hey, Danny and the Junior said it in 1956. Rock and roll is here to stay. Well, it's great that it's guys like Neil and I love it because we buy records and you know we're old timers and we actually buy physical media and all that stuff. But you know, it'll be you know the kids. You got to get in there with the kids, right? Totally. Hmm. Yeah. Well, see what happens. You know, we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing and see where it takes us. We're just very thankful and lucky to get to do what we love, and we get to do it together. So, um, give everybody the name of the new album. Tell them where they can go buy it. Tell them where they can go buy Susie Moon merchandise. Do the do the whole plug thing, Susie. Yeah, yeah. The new record is called Dumb and in Love, and it is officially out September twenty third on Pirates Press Records. You can order it at piratespressrecords.com. Or if you're listening from Europe or the UK, I would recommend going to tmommerch.com. Uh, there are European uh, merch company, super cool, based in Berlin, and we're going to be on the road a lot. So if you'd want, if you want to wait and come buy the record at a show, we'll sign it for you and talk to you. We always hang out at the merch, and I think one of the best parts about being in a band is getting to meet new people and uh, other people who love rock and roll as much as we do when we get out there. Yeah. So they are super, super friendly. I can tell everybody that. Yes. Oh, oh. You're gonna make me blush. Okay. <laughs> Well, it was so it was so funny because the first time we saw you guys, right? Um, AJ from uh, oh, yeah. Why am I why am I blanking? Stop on the rock. band. 
Doc Rotten, yeah, of course. AJ from Doc Rotten was was selling your merch. It was just uh, so weird. Yes, then, yeah. then we had those guys on like a month or two ago, and they were fucking I mean, hysterical. They were uh, a, they were an absolute blast. Yes. Yeah. What, what kind of what kind of disclaimer did you have to put in front of that episode? <laughs> yeah. let's, let's just say they fitted right in. With there was a lot more. There was a lot more butt talk than you'd hope for, probably. For <laughs> yeah. me, well. With, with that Listen, camp, I wouldn't expect anything. Like we, are, we are artists. We are artist friendly. We will let the artists go wherever they want to go, and we'll be happy to go with them. <laughs> out on that tour with us for the queerest tour, we have a group chat where it's the Susie Moon Band and AJ. Okay, <laughs> and we just send each other the most inappropriate memes and jokes all day, every day. This has been going on for almost a year. It is like a right. highlight of my day yeah. is to see what dirty shit AJ dropped <laughs> in the group chat. Okay. <laughs> is a gift to this world. <laughs> we love it. We love AJ. Yeah. We love these guys. Great band. They put out a great record this year too. That's a great yeah. record. You know, this is a great record. You're starting to, the year's starting to shape up. There's yeah, finally like at least ten good records so far this year. Yeah. Hell yeah. Alright, we're gonna let you guys go. Thank you. Well to, hold on a second, hold on Tom. You. Tom you haven't told us what's what yeah. song what song did you want to go out with? Buddy? Oh I'm sorry, we're gonna finish with that Believe in Love. Okay. Oh you can't play that. Oh I mean, I guess you can. Oh, I mean, you know, what do you want to play instead then off the record? When airing. Oh, oh, it won't, it won't be out before your record drops. Okay, then you can play Believe in Love. It'll sit for at least a week, right, Neil? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, we got the Drowns one to go first, and then this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have another Pirates Press band yeah. in front of you in line, unfortunately. That's great. We love the Drowns. Yeah, they're we great. Love dudes, those guys. Too. Fucking great live! Yeah. Oh my god. Brilliant. I haven't got a chance to see them yet. They never cool. fucking play Chicago. They never play the well, Midwest. They're Bastards. label mates. They know all the inside information. <laughs> they probably got ten shows playing with them. Neil in the Northwest, so we don't even know about. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna right. go out with Believe in Love. All so right. anyway, yeah. thank you so much for coming on, all three of you. It's been thank great. Thank you guys. This is awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We appreciate Thanks. it. Yeah. Bye. See you in see you in a month. So okay. this is Believe in Love from Woo. the New York. Yeah. Bye. Take me back to the
That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter.